What's up, guys, and welcome back to Beyond the Void Horror Podcast. And we're back for another fun-filled edition of Patrick and Alex. Wow. <laughs> we got a special episode for you guys today. One of my favorite directors and three of my favorite films. Well, probably two of more of them. Two. Yeah, probably about two. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, I, I still like it because it's part of it, but we're doing a special trilogy for you guys by none other than Lucio Fulci. He did a special little uh, trilogy that he didn't even know he did, actually. It's the unofficial trilogy called the Gates of Hell trilogy. Right, this is all. I feel like I should be drinking every time I say trilogy. I've said it like seven (laughs) times rapid fire. Sorry, guys. So other than that, we did have all of our contestants in. So next week, we're going to be announcing the winner and we're going to be doing it a special way. We're actually going to be ordering a say, which is the cow goes moo. You may have heard us say that before. We're going to be using that by putting all of your names around that thing. And wherever the arrow ends up and whatever animal you happen to be. It's not, going to be, <laughs> it's it's not, not personal. Like, yeah. Well, maybe I'll put like if the Buzzkill guys did it, I'll put like a, a pig or something. Or like a jackass. Yeah, jackass. There you go. <laughs> uh but other than that, what have you been up to, man? Oh, not much, dude. A little bit of the same shit. Uh, just kind of still putting my house back together, dude, from being in Vegas so long. I still got shit in a suitcase. Yeah? Yeah. I haven't even done laundry. <laughs> well, it's been busy, man. Yeah. This weekend's going to be especially busy. Yeah, me too, man. Well, there's like Easter Sunday. Uh, I'm going down to uh, Christina's family. I like hanging out with them. Yeah. But I just hate making plans to anything. Like, yeah, you know. Because <laughs> like, I feel like I never get a moment to myself. So right. it's like, I don't know. It's Any c- extra time you have, you're like, I kind of wanted to use that for myself. Yeah, it's cutting into my me time. No, I'm kidding. Um, But yeah, we're going down there for the weekend. Are you doing anything special with your family or anything? I think we might head over to my wife's parents' house to have brunch or something. But other than that, I'm probably going to head home. Cool. Yeah, Christina's uh, dad dresses up like an Easter bunny, and he like chucks eggs at everybody. Oh, does he? And if you don't catch it, he smacks you in the face. Oh, does he take you? No. <laughs> does he take you down to the cellar? I'm just making shit up. Like, sorry, Ron, if you're listening, I'm just kidding, man. <laughs> uh, they know I'm a wild one. Oh, right. They're like, who's that piece of shit that's with my daughter? <laughs> um, but yeah, so did you do anything fun this past week other than... 
I dude, literally haven't doing much. Uh, GTA, a lot of GTA. <laughs> yeah, we've been playing with the Horror Amino crew a little bit. I actually haven't got to meet up. I mean, I came into the chat party a little bit oh, when you guys are talking, but that's it. That's right, because you were like, "Hey, I'll be right back," and then you came back like three hours later, and you're like, "Where are you at?" Well, yes, you know how I'm it like, is. Like, oh, you know, I kind of like went on with my life. Right. Well, I had some. <laughs> well, that particular occasion, someone came over. You know how that is when people come over. You just got to sit there and let them. Can just be like, get the fuck out of my house. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we've been playing with the Horomino group. They have the uh, the club on Xbox, and they have a PlayStation 1, too. Uh, but other than that, yeah, I haven't really been doing too much. I got a bunch of shit in the mail that I'm super excited about, like all these late B-Day presents. You got me some shit for my ex, Yay. my birthday. That was awesome. Patrick got me a, a I Am The Fucking Boss mug, if you guys haven't seen that on the social media. He's the boss. He forgot like seven times to bring that over in the yeah. past month and a half or something. <laughs> like I literally met up with you like twice and I was like, fuck. Yeah, you're like, I forgot again, man. Jesus. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he knows his role. So now I'm the boss. Just... <laughs> and he got the mug to he prove it. He bought the mug. Yeah. So that's the truth. <laughs> uh, I kid, of course. I think that's uh, pretty much it. I mean, I got the Phantasm Blu-ray collection. Oh, it's a beautiful collection. I got the Violent Shit collection, Big Bag of Shit collection, I guess it's called. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Andrea Schnaz. I don't know how to say his name, to be quite honest with you, but he was one of the guys that fought against the German uh, censorship because, you know, after World War II, things weren't so hunky-dory over there, and they were pretty strict about what you could and couldn't do. Right. So this is the guy that made movies on VHS tapes and, like, made movies, like, kind of underground. Hmm. It's a pretty interesting story. The movies are, you know, it's an acquired taste. <laughs> right. My buddy Sin Fury on uh, Horamino and I talk about it. We're, we're big fans of it. I showed him my VHS collection of them. And he was like, holy shit, dude. Like, what the fuck? And I showed him a couple other ones of that bracket, like that style. So I'm really excited about those. And I got the house collection coming, too, so I'm super... Yeah, you lucky bastard. I'm, like, jerking off in my mouth here, folks. It's not the same one they got over in Europe, though, yeah, right? Yeah, it's that one. It's that one. Oh, sweet. Region-free, apparently. Wow. Even though they posted it as not. What the fuck is that? Riddle me that. I don't know if it's because... I've noticed that when I put, like, my region-free DVDs in the Xbox... Or not my region-free, I'm sorry, region 2 or region whatever, some of them play. Huh. And I don't have any issues with it. Someone was saying on one of the posts that they put their discs in their PlayStation and it played fine. So I bought the, the, the copy off of eBay for a little bit more than what it costs. But I was like, fuck it, man. Like, if it's reason-free, I don't really care. Maybe it has something to do with where they're being produced. I don't know. Well, I mean, yeah. Well, that's the thing. I, I've mentioned this on the cast before. Like, when it was HD DVD... And Blu-ray, when they were going up against each other, is essentially Sony versus Microsoft. Right. When they were going up against each other, Microsoft was trying to make theirs region-free. Sony wasn't. So they could cash in on extra licenses. Right. See what I'm saying? That's yeah. That's where, you know. But they're the friendliest, most wonderful gaming company in the world. Why would they? Have? No, I'm kidding. I'm just joking, folks. No, no hostility. I got both the consoles here. All right, just chill out. <laughs> I just uh, want a game. No man. blood here. Can't just, we all this game? Right. Anyway, so let's uh, take some trips down to the drinking saloon. Oh yeah. It's time for horse shots. 
got a special drink for you today. Since we're going to be doing Lucio Fulci's Gates of Hell, the Gates of Hell trilogy, we decided that we would try to pick something that was Italian liquors. A little Italian, you know? Yeah, we wanted to do something fucking special. We wanted to be a couple wise guys, eh? And, and since it's a trilogy, you know, we got three ingredients, you know? Right. We, we try to keep it classy here, folks. One per movie, you know? We did use one of these ingredients in our Satanic Terry. If you guys don't know what that is, it's up on the Horror Shots page of our website. This one will be up there. It's on longlivethevoid.com in our Horror Shots section. It is one part Sambuca, basically one half shot. We've got Amaretto Liqueur, which is also an Italian type of drink. Amaro, I think they call it. Mm. And we added, just for the sake of it, we were going to do V8, but we were like, we've done shit like that so much. Right. So we decided to go with good old grenadine. Nothing beats some good old sugar water. It's red, too, you know? So it's like cherry syrup. <laughs> it's happy. It's like bloody. We both discussed how we absolutely do not like the smell and taste of anise, which, if you are not familiar, is essentially black licorice. Yeah. So... There is a niece in this. We weren't aware of that. God help us all. Yeah, as soon as I cracked that bottle, I was like, oh no. Cthulhu save me! <laughs> Cthulhu hey, save me! Did I say that right? Cthulhu! I don't know. Cthulhu! Sorry, can I, my helmet got in the way. <laughs> it's fancy. Huh? God, the smell, though. They don't want you to pour too much of it, you know? The smell. Ugh. Seemed like a good idea on paper. So we're really just pouring... You know, half a shot of each of the liquors. Sambuca is about 38% alcohol by volume. And then Amaretto is like the weak sauce, 15%. Right. Maybe the grenadine will save us, my friend. I don't know. You're not going to be able to fit much uh, grenadine in that fucking shot glass. I wonder if I'll just like squirt out licorice sticks. Maybe. (laughs) Some red vines for real. Sorry. Sorry, guys. Nice visual. (laughs) To the brim. To the brim of Rock'em Mike like a vandal. You better drink this shit, because you can't handle the Alex train. Sounds like Something I'm fucking your, your ass. <laughs> yeah, what am I, rapping? I don't know what the fuck I'm doing over here. All right, ready? All right. Well, it's not. this is in our minds. Ching. Well, this one's for Charlie Murphy, guys. Oh, if you yeah. haven't heard, Charlie Murphy recently passed away. Darkness! <laughs> oh, what did the that? five fingers say to the face? Cheers. Mm-hmm. Slap! Ooh. Yeah, that tasted like black licorice. Ugh. Ugh. No, daddy. Dude, oh, God, that's going to sit on the desk for a long time, dude. Maybe we'll run into someone who likes that shit. Yeah, I'll make them buy it off me. I'll be like, look, this was drank by George Washington or something. <laughs> this bottle is old as fuck, dog. He used to put his wooden teeth in this yo, shit. Yo, he dog. put his weed up in that shit, yo. <laughs> Yo, he hemped that shit up. It's it was so strong, the shit fucking disappeared. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck I'm saying. Oh. Anyway, that was our Gates of Hell shot. And if you would like to find that shot and all of its ingredients or just skip to the horror shot if that's your favorite segment, jump online and journey down to longlivethevoid.com. <laughs> I just like making it seem like a commercial. (laughs) Anyway, that's it for horse shots. 
Hey, Patrick, you know what goes really good with a Lucio Fulci Gates of Hell shot? It's the fucking news! Here is the fucking news! All right, guys, we've got some fucking humdingers of a goddamn news source for you. You ready? Let's do it. Pull down your pants and get ready to be jacked by the news. (laughs) (laughs) Goddamn, I'm ready. Let's go ahead and just start right about the new TV show that came out of fucking nowhere, The Mist. Just like The Mist does, dude. It just sneaks up on you, you know? Dude, what the fuck, man? Like, I mean, I remember vaguely hearing some news about The Mist and that there was a TV show, but usually they fucking pump the shit out of it. Right. And I didn't really get that vibe from it. I was like, oh, it's probably way off in the distance. And then all of a sudden it was like, bam! Yeah, exactly. Up in your butthole. Like, all up, (laughs) like, fucking organ jaggling. Did I just make up a word? Is that organ jaggling? Is that like juggling? It but makes... jaggling. It means it's jagged on something. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, folks. Whatever. Anyway, dude, that's shot. Yeah, dude. I'm kind of feeling something. Holy fuck, man. Yeah, that's only like what, 38, 36? It's like well, technically it's probably like 32%. Right. But as soon as I took it, man, I just started feeling like amped up. Right. Maybe this is the serum that we need. That's what we need. Then maybe we're going to have to just take licorice butthole shots. But, guys, tell me if you're excited or not for this Miss TV show. Oh, dude, I'm kind of psyched. I hope they're definitely going to dive deeper into this plot line than they have in the movie. I'm open to it. I'm not offended that they'll touch it. Frank Darabont's, in my mind, is probably the best interpretation of that it's ever going to be. Uh, the little concern that I do have is that this show is directed and written by people I have no clue. Really? Like, it's a bunch of people... I mean, I'm sure I have some clue about some of the things that they did, but it's not like... It's almost like budget missed. Right. But maybe that's because they had so many special effects and things that they wanted to put into it. I don't know. I've had a lot of discussions online with people. We all are really kind of curious about the government experiment that the mist was all about right like i hope it's like half-life dude like that's exactly what i thought from the first movie technically yeah it's very much ripped from that right um i don't know like one person i think it was tony zika who listens to us he's a friend of mike's as well he was like you know part of me just feels like i don't want to see anything about what's going on in there because i don't want it to ruin it right He's like, but there's also another side of me. And I was like, yeah, I'm right there with you, man. But I feel like with this show, I'm not expecting a lot. So if you're going to fucking do it, just fucking divulge some crazy shit. And let's see what happens. Let's see what sticks to the fucking wall. It would be good. And I would love it if they tied it to Half-Life. Like, have a character in there it's named not Freeman. Gonna, there is not going to be any nods to that. They're not there gonna isn't, to get... but they probably should. Dude, first of all, Half-Life is big, but Stephen King is bigger. So if you're going to rally behind a name, it's definitely not going to be... It's going to be Stephen King. 
Yeah. Sorry. Well, we're never going to get another Half-Life, so you might as well just give us a little tease of some cinema. <laughs> just a little bit. Just a little diddle. Um, One thing I noticed, did you notice that there is no fucking monsters in the fucking trailer? There wasn't. You see a glimpse of something. And I've been catching wind of like these weird phrasings of, well, the mist is going to be different than you'd expect. Wait, what? Right. If it's some psychological, I woke up from a dream bullshit, that might not that might that piss ain't gonna some people fly. off. Yeah. No, that ain't gonna fly. It's like, don't go too wild. Like, just just stick to the story and elaborate on it a little bit more. We like this story for a reason. Right. Uh, but anyway, guys, this it's gonna debut on June twenty second on Spike TV. So fire up your TVs and grab that Vaseline. So I'm excited for it. I'm curious to see what it's gonna do. I don't wanna have too high hopes. I'm kind of somewhere in the middle. I'm, like, excited about it, but, like, whatever. Like, if it fails, I'm not going to be upset. Right. Like, I got Darabout, so I'm good. I can always watch the original movie and just get my jollies that way. So. Well, yeah. I mean, think about all the great scenes in that movie. I mean, it wasn't a flawless fucking movie. No, but, but it, it was damn good. It was damn good. It but, was kind of leaning towards the TV uh, miniseries type feel. With some of the acting in some respects, but a lot of those actors kind of went on to do The Walking Dead, which Frank Darabont was a part of, and then he got the shaft, and now he doesn't even want to talk about The Walking Dead, and he hates it with all his heart. I don't Uh, blame him, to be quite honest. But one of my favorite things about The Mist, and this is going to be the last thing for me, not many movies can make me hate a character. I know I'm talking about, like, hate, like, I really fucking hate them. Who? What? The religious girl. Oh, yeah, she did a great job. It's going to be hard to top that. Right. And, and it just... I saw, I can't think of her name. She's been in some old, she's been in some old movies and right. she's like older than normal. Christina got really excited about it. She was like, oh my God, it's it's the chick. And I was like, of course it's the chick. There's only <laughs> one fucking person. She was like, nature is, this is nature and you fucked with nature and God is striking down. Like, you know, like, of course it's the crazy chick, but is she going to do as good a job as the one? Right. Because, man, you really hate her, man. You really do. When she gets shot in the head, I've never been more excited. Like, I cheered. Yeah, I was like, yes! Right, it's like the fucking Bears won the Super Bowl or some fuck. Take that, bitch! (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, let's move along here. Um, So, there is a new local horror fest that's announcing a huge... We're talking mega lineup here, supposedly. From the hotel... Of The Shining. Ooh. Yeah. What's that? Was it like the Lookout Hotel or something like that? Well, the festival is called the Overlook Film Festival. Overlook, okay. Uh, It premieres, U.S. premieres, and a weekend-long horror game to the Timberline Lodge at the end of April. I want to go to this. That's not very far from us. How long of a drive? You think like a day, day and a half? (sighs) I don't know. It's April 27th. Do you got that money? Well, if we're just driving. Well, we... you know, Devin lives near there. Does he? Yeah. But I don't know, man. I really, I wish I would have known about this a little bit earlier. Uh, but anyway, to give you guys kind of an idea, the inaugural Overlook Film Festival has just announced its lineup. On the weekend of April 27th, Mount Hood's Timberline Lodge will play host to 20 feature films, 17 shorts, Interactive events and parties as part of the Overlook Film Festival, a new four-day-long celebration of the new and classic horror film. 
The festival is named after the fictional hotel where the characters in Stanley Kubrick's horror classic The Shining stay. Footage of the Timberlane Hotel's exterior was used in establishing shots and parts of the film. If you guys want to check out who's going to be there, so I'll put the link below. It'll have all the other links attached to it, so you can check this out. Sounds pretty fun. I mean, it's not the Stanley Hotel, right? but still, it's it's kind of awesome, right? Like, oh, it's, yeah. It's very cool. Yeah, the um, interior shots is what you're saying is the, the Stanley Hotel, right? Right. Yeah. See, that would just, like kind of deflate me a little bit You're like i wanted to go to the bar <laughs> you know? well you can still go to that in colorado right in addition they're going to be giving roger corman a master of horror award at that festival nice so roger corman's going to be there to an accept an honorary award for master of horror and to be quite honest the motherfucker deserves it he deserves it's something. always awesome anytime you get recognized no right what it is he also gave early professional boosts to a slew of other filmmakers, including Martin Scorsese, Francis Ford Coppola, Joe Dante, James Cameron. I mean, these aren't yeah. small directors, guys. These are household names. Yeah, like, obviously, they learned from somebody. He's got to be something, right? right? Uh, but director and postmortem podcast host Mick Garris will actually do the interview uh, with Corman on stage live at the event. Oh, nice. So, and if you guys haven't checked that out, you need to check out Postmortem Podcast by Mick Garris. Very cool. I don't know if you guys heard this yet or not, but there is going to be another Predator movie. Yes. and uh, We've heard about this for a while. Actually, it was one of my first posts on uh, Horamino. Right. So direct- it's been over a year. Yeah, yeah, about a year. Uh, the director is uh, Shane Black. Um, and you know what? I heard that Arnold Schwarzenegger got an early peek at this script, and apparently he didn't like it. Of course he didn't like it. He's not in it. That's what I was thinking. That, <laughs> bingo, dude. That's the first thing that came to my head. It's like, well, why are you going to take his opinion with, you know... Uh, it's it's a weird person to get a fucking opinion from about right. a movie. Exactly. Especially if they're not in it. And a lot of people are, I guess... It's you like, know, you wouldn't ask the person who's in the film what they thought of the script. Right. And take it legitimately. Anyway, so go ahead. Apparently, some people are kind of on edge about it being somewhat funny, which I don't get, because the first one was funny. I mean, I mean you remember uh, Ventura's character. I guess, yeah. Like, I think it's just entertainment value. I don't look at it as anything else. Right. That's why Fred Decker's on board, man. Like, the guy knows how to write funny shit and still make it kind of serious in a way. Right. Shane Black and him working together have worked on shit many times before. I have no worries about it because these two guys are some of the best. I'm telling you, like, I don't know how well the movie's going to be. It could be bad acting. It could be whatever. But I don't feel like it's going to be bad storytelling. No, not at all. And not only that, another thing I have to look forward to is that it has some of the original producers from the original Predator. Right. So uh, it's a no-fail for me. It is a little weird that they added uh, Keegan-Michael Key. Oh, yeah. He's probably the comedy relief, right. for sure. But anyway, Keegan-Michael Key from Key and Peel is going to be in this movie, and I'm sure he's probably going to be some of the comic relief. Oh, for sure. Makes sense, right? They've said that there's going to be a wicked sense of humor in this movie. I don't really give a fuck because I have so much faith in Fred Decker. I just want him back in anything, man. The guy made movies like you've never seen before, and they're some of my favorite movies, and I'm just, I'm going to be supportive no matter what. Maybe I'm going in blind, 
But I'm going in, baby. <laughs> I'm going in one way or another. <laughs> you can spit on it or I can do it raw. It don't <laughs> Jesus matter. Jesus Christ, Patrick. Yeah. Sorry about that, guys. <laughs> Patrick's jerking off yeah, right I'm here. Yeah, I'm reeling it in here. Never seen his penis before. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally kidding. I was just giving you a look to make you feel uncomfortable. <laughs> Uh, okay, I think that pretty much is it. Oh, wait, wait hold on. What? Let's talk about one more thing, guys. Okay, what's that? So, we all, you're a fan of Hellboy? Most people are a fan of Hellboy. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm a pretty decent fan. So, I'm not an ultra fan, but no, I'm a fan. Yeah, same here. I'm not a super big I'm, fan. I'm I, a fan of the movies, never really read the comics that much. That's the kind of fan Right, it's an interesting character, nonetheless. If you've read the comics or just seen the movie, you know the character. Right. But apparently, since... You know, we're not going to get another third movie. It's not happening. It's just never never going to happen. But we are going to get something else. Okay, what's that? We are going to get some whiskey, my friend. <laughs> some Hellboy Hellwater is what they're calling it. Okay. From a, a distillery in Tennessee. I believe it's Triple X uh, Distillery. Wait, wait, wait. They're in Tennessee? Are you sure it's not Jack Firewater or whatever the fuck they call that shit? What did we get? No. First of all, let me just make some sort of uh, thing, okay? A thing. Uh, you can't do cinnamon whiskey differently. No, you so can't. So I'll be pretty surprised if it tastes different than the other two. What, Fireball and, and uh, Goldschlager? Tennessee Fire. Oh, Tennessee Fire. From Jack Daniels, which they taste exactly the same. They really do. But it doesn't have Hellboy on the cover, does it? <laughs> so we'll see how that is. Right. I think it's cool. I'm not trying to make fun of it, but I'm not a fan of Fireball. And if I'm going to... It's like, that's a pretty oversaturated market for something to not have too dissimilar interests or tastes, I should say. Too dissimilar right. tastes. Like, if it's there's already two in the market that taste exactly the same, you pretty much shouldn't make it. It might be coming, I don't know, maybe they make that too, you know what I mean? So they're just like, whatever, we'll put a Hellboy Well, maybe on there's it. like some sort of fucking uh, connoisseur of fucking... Cinnamon whiskey. Cinnamon whiskey, and they're like, Santa Claus. I don't know, what the <laughs> fuck, who, who fucking likes that shit and is a connoisseur of it? Right. They're like elves? Like yeah. elves are fans of it? They're like, sure, I would, I would. <laughs> Santa, don't rape me! Sorry, rape's not funny. Uh, rape is not funny. Only when you're drunk. And only when there's clowns involved. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. But I digress. If you guys want to get your hands on this, it's going to be released in May 1st, I believe. You can find it online in uh, certain areas of the U.S. I'm not sure it's going to be shipped everywhere. Okay. But uh, yeah, check it out. So wait, it's mostly overseas? No, it's it's brewed in Tennessee or distilled okay, so what in Tennessee. Is, so you said in certain areas in the U.S. Yeah. That makes it seem like it's not going to be delivered anywhere. What it says here is Hellboy Water is available May 1st online in most states. Some may take longer. Oh, because they're probably trying to get past sort of some legal bullshit. Right. But it has Hellboy on it. I will be purchasing a bottle. I'm not sure if I will open the bottle. But well, we'll it'll it definitely up. be a tchotchke. Yeah, we'll put it up on our void uh, thing. Our void? It's not thing? like I drink your shit, so. Yeah, oh, we'll put it on the bar, but yeah, I'll probably buy two bottles. This one to shit up my shelf so I could look at it every once in a while. I'll be uh, like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> I bought that. That's mine. And then one to go, why did I buy this? Right. <laughs> anyway, that's it for the news. 
right, guys, so we have taken a long time to bring you into the new releases and the upcoming releases. So today I got a special condom full of fucking new releases and Blu-ray blah 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 blah. <laughs> I, was I, I don't know what I'm saying. I thought you were gonna say full of love. Yeah, love. It's nectar. not a condom. It's just some information. <laughs> I've kind of talked about some of this a little bit with you guys earlier, but I wanted to go through this a little bit. There are some movies, and I cherry picked some of my particular favorites for this. Just stuff I think is worth getting and that I'm interested in getting. And I think other people would probably be interested in getting as well. So, first on the list, Beyond the Door, Blu-ray is available from RoninFlix.com, a.k.a. also their Code Red, the DVD and Blu-ray distributor company, is actually selling them through RoninFlix for 30 bucks. Hmm. And from what I've heard and talked to some people online, it's a great print. This is a movie that came out, you know... Long time ago as an Exorcist ripoff, but I loved this movie. I watched it um, not too long ago. I really liked it. How would you compare it to the actual Exorcist movie? I don't want to compare it. I just like it. Okay. Like people call it the Exorcist ripoff, but I just like it. It's different. It's 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 almost a little more artsy, and it has kind of like a Rosemary's Baby feel to it. Huh. But I really like it. Like I think it's a good movie, and the fact that they're putting it out on Blu-ray. For 30 bucks, it's a little pricey, but guys, if you're a fan of this movie, get it before it's gone because you're never going to see a copy of it again, okay? This isn't a huge distributor of any sort, I don't think, but I love Code Red. I've, they've got a bunch of Bava stuff up on there now that I want to get now, too, so if you guys want to check it out, once you check out this link below, check that out and see what they got coming out. I'll surprise you with that, okay? That's already out, by the way, so you can pick that up, order it. It'll come to you in a few days. Also, the Phantasm Blu-ray collection has been released into the wild. Well, it's sitting in your living room right now. Yeah, it's in my living room. I fucking love it. I've already flipped the covers because they had, like, the generic ball with the Roman numerals on the top. Which I kind of liked. It was clean. It is clean, but nostalgically... You want to see the cover. I want to see the covers. I right. thought about it. I, I mauled it over in my brain for a little bit. And I was like, this deserves some more love. Each one of these. So I did that. And I even still have the Phantasm DVDs. And I have the Phantasm 2 Blu-ray from Scream Factory. And it is, in fact, the same Blu-ray from Scream Factory, guys. So just so you know. So you're not losing anything. You're just gaining a whole set. Yep. So you can probably sell the other one. I don't remember there being a second disc or anything other than a DVD. So you're good on that. Also out, I already talked about this too, is the Violent Shit Collection from Synapse. It's a DVD release. Comes with five fucking movies. Violent Shit 1 through 4 plus Zombie 90 Extreme Pestilence, which is some of the funniest dubbing I've ever heard in a movie Back in the day. It's been a little while since I heard it. Audio's a little, you know, rough around the edges. But I still think it's funny. It's like this, like... But it's like there's like this straight-edge doctor, and you would never expect his voice to be like, Yo, what the fuck are you talking about? I know what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> like, that's how he talks. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, in the scenario in my brain, I'm thinking to myself... Did these guys, like, fuck with the director and were like, they're not paying us, so we're just going to do whatever the fuck we want. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like, I don't know what happened. I whatever. Anyway, it's out. It's thirty bucks now. I got it for fifteen. High five to me. Hold on. Thank you. <laughs> fifteen bucks for five movies. I'll take it. It's an acquired taste, but it has a long history behind it, guys. So check it out. That's out now. Also on Blu-ray from Severin, The Other Hell. $20.69 right now on Amazon. I think that's the lowest I could find at this moment. I tend to go to Amazon first and then kind of branch out. Right. Uh, also, House Two Stories Blu-ray. Not the full collection of one through four, but just the two. The U.S. version is out. Uh, that comes out on April 14th. So by the time you hear this, it'll already be out in the wild for you guys. So if you just like the first two movies, don't really give a fuck about the third and the fourth, which are, you know, it's a UK transfer or something like that from Arrow. This is also from Arrow, and it's just the first two movies for 40 bucks, basically. Upcoming releases, folks. We got a couple that I think are good, but I'm just going to go through a list of them. One of them, Autopsy of Jane Doe, Blu-ray, $13, guys, on Amazon for June 27th for all Prime members. We also have the Paul Nashi collection Blu-ray for about 60 bucks, June 20th. That is a Screen Factory complete uncut versions of all these movies, by the way. Some of them with deleted scenes, some with alternative clothes scenes. Uh, and it's in Castilian with English subs and dubs. Nice. So you have your choice of all three you know what i mean pretty cool stuff but this is the movies that come with it that are fully uncut complete uncut vengeance of the zombies horror rises from the tomb blue eyes of the broken doll i heard that that one's not true 1080p it's just like the sh it's the when you get it on the screen it's going to be have a lot of black bars right um night of the werewolf human beasts this does not include the Assignment Terror, a.k.a. Dracula versus Frankenstein, by the way, this version from Screen Factory. But there is another version coming out that you might be very interested about, and that's going to have The Mummy's Revenge, The Fury of the Wolfmen, and, of course, Assignment Terror, and these will be new HD transfers of the film with elements coming from the Spanish licensor, the street dates in these are to be announced, so just keep an eye out for it for now. And last but not least, Mondo Macabro will release the Nashi favorites El Camiante and Inquisition for some time in early 2017. Yes, the year of Nashi is here on Blu-ray. So if you're a Nashi fan, this is a time to get this shit while the getting's good. Also, we have, on May 30th, Blackenstein by Severn Films on Blu-ray. And uh, to give you guys kind of an idea what's coming included with that, holy shit, dude. What you got? <laughs> what you got? Uh, I've got a slow internet. That's what I... Okay, here it is. <laughs> uh, two versions of the most notorious black exploitation shocker of them all. And the most insane backstory ever. On May 30th, Severn Films, in association with Xenon Pictures and Vinegar Syndrome, 
invites you to an experience Mary Shelley's horror classic through a Vietnam shattered micro-budget entrail smothered lens. Or as BleedingSkull.com put it, not just a horror picture, not just black exploitation, something greasier. But anyway, some of the uh, special stuff that's going to be on this. Theatrical release version, 78 minutes, and video release version, which is 87 minutes. Wow. So nine extra minutes. Yeah. They also have Monster Kid interview with writer-producer Frank R. Salatri's sister, June Kirk. Archive news broadcast on the murder of the writer, producer Frank R. Salatri. Producers, directors, actors Ken Osborne and Robert Dix. Remember writer-producer Frank R. Salatri. Also, Bill created Blackenstein interview with creature designer Bill Munns and the theatrical trailer. I'm actually thinking of picking this one up. I want to do like black exploitation uh, horror films of some sort because there are a few. I don't know. I just want to get it. Yeah. Anyway, fun. Also, Evil Ed is coming out on Blu-ray by Arrow May 30th for 25 bucks right now on Amazon. One of my favorites, Brain Damage Blu-ray by Frank Hennelauter. It's coming out May 9th for 24 bucks right now on Amazon Prime. Picking that shit up right away. That 25 bucks ain't bad. Dude, I've been waiting for that to be on Blu-ray for a while. I'm yeah. surprised Synapse didn't pick it up, though. I'm a little confused by that. Um, so somehow they must have gotten the rights. Also, Making Contact, the movie that we watched. Yeah, a couple episodes back It's now. called AKA Joey. We did it for our fucking uh, Intended for Kids episode. Yeah. That's if you guys want to check that out, you should listen to that. We detail the whole movie. Try not to spoil too much, but it's a really good episode, so if you want to check it out, I'll put the link below. Also, Space Hunter Adventures in the Forbidden Zone, Blu-ray, $8.29, May 2nd. So that's, like, soon. Yeah. $8.29, dude. It's a sci-fi horror kind of... It's more of a sci-fi movie, but I fucking love this movie. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen it. It reminds me of, like, Cherry 2000. Um, but more like apocalyptic on another planet sort of thing. Okay. Uh, I'm definitely picking that up for $8.29. Like, fuck yeah. Well, why not? I paid $12 for the fucking DVD. Really? And it came with, uh, what was it? Crawl and Space Hunter on DVD. And I thought they were never going to bring it to Blu-ray, but they are. But I guess, you know, guys, we are ending the, we're sort of at the tail end of our Blu-rays. We're jumping into the 4K soon. Yeah. We've been doing this 4K thing for a while now, guys. So good news for you guys. Cheap Blu-rays. Bad news for the same people. Expensive 4Ks. Yep. So we get to buy our collections all over again. Are you really going to do that, though? (sighs) I don't know, man. I don't have a 4K TV yet. Right. Neither do I. So it's like... I don't know what the gloriousness of 4K, but yeah, I'm sure I'll be suckered in, just like I was with Blu-ray. Well, I just started my Blu-ray collection, of course, right. at the tail end of it. But uh, well, I've been kind of opening your your ass to that, huh? Right, you pretty much have. <laughs> Kelly's like, great, he's got a new addiction. Now it's not just records. Awesome. Well, before that, it was classic Nintendo games <laughs> and video games in general. Yeah. But anyway, guys, for all you Blu-ray collectors, 
what am I doing? <laughs> what are you doing? I don't know. I was like trying to like, I wasn't doing a Hail Hitler. Anyway, <laughs> I just, I looked at it. I was like, what am I doing? Like, I think this fucking niche shit is fucking me up. <laughs> For all you Blu-ray collectors out there, those of you who support the industry in any way, shape or form, we appreciate you. You're the reason that independent films and movies that we love get to be made. So be proud of yourself, you collectors out there. We love you. We still love all you greasy, stealing, thieving horror movie fans that can't afford it and just want to love it just the same. But anyway, that's it for our upcoming and new releases. Now it's time for us to take a journey down to our flesh and And potatoes potatoes segment of our Fulci's Gates of Hell trilogy. We're going to do that right now. You may have noticed we didn't jump into grave plots this week. Now, that's not to say we're not going to do great plots anymore. We're just mixing it up a little bit. We also have a little bit of a time constraint here, and some of those take a little longer than we want. We are going to be bringing back grave plots next week. So if you love that segment, stay tuned. If you submitted an entry, you're going to want to listen to next week's episode because that's when we're going to pull a winner and we're going to send you out a fucking Amazon gift card or a Blu-ray of your choice within reason. You know, for a movie. So, and me and Patrick are taking that out of our own pockets to pay for that. By the way, guys, I wanted to bring something up. We're thinking about doing a Patreon page. We don't like asking for shit. No. But we've had a few people. We had some, I had someone today that was like, hey, how does a girl get a fucking t-shirt, sticker, or whatever so I can pump your shit? And that was Bianca. She's really a big listener of ours. And I was like, you know, it's funny you should say that. Literally, today, we were talking about maybe making t-shirts. So, we're going to look into the Patreon thing a little bit, see how much we can organize to try to make tiers for you guys. One of those tiers would obviously be a t-shirt that we could give to you guys. We're going to pay somebody. um, Somebody good, too. Yeah, we're going to pay somebody. We've been thinking about Devin Whitehead, who does artwork for cavity colors uh to do this if we're going to do it we want to do it right but you know we have to make these t-shirts reasonable we can't suffer from it we do this all out of our own pocket and believe me guys it's costs a lot more than you would think this isn't me e-begging you guys this is just me reaching out to you guys would you be okay with us asking you to donate to a patreon if you felt like you really gave a shit about this show you could just donate money each month, a dollar, all the way up to, I don't know, 30 bucks, 50 bucks. And that would help us keep the lights on here. Pay for all the fucking subscriptions and shit that we have to pay for to keep the website, internet, all that shit that we pay for. So let me know in the comments below if you think that that would be okay. You forgot to talk about the top tier. A hundred bucks gets you a hand job, guys. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah, we can't offer sexual favors, Patrick. I just said hand job. What's sexual about that? That is sexual. What are you talking about? 
That could be like polishing their fucking car. Or, oh my god! You know? It's just all done with the hand. All jobs done with my hands. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, so before we jump into this Gates of Hell trilogy, I wanted to bring up that I recently watched a movie, and I did a movie review of it called The Void, which just came out. Jeremy Gillespie, Stephen Kostansky. I really liked it. Aaron Poole, who is one of the main actors in the movie, like retweeted our shit. He said it was like one of the best intros to the video he's ever seen. I'm sure he's just being nice, but he's a cool guy. Yeah. So I may reach out to him to do a little bit of an interview for The Void, see if he'll do it. I think he'd be cool with it. He seems pretty cool. So, so be cool. Yeah. <laughs> but it'd be cool to kind of get an, uh, you know, behind the scenes look at what how things went. I think he would be fun to have on. Seems like a really cool guy. So, But I, I did a review on it. I put it up on one of the Reddit sites. I won't say which one. Part of the reason I wanted to bring it up is because I made the comparison because a lot of people that were saying the story sucked and it didn't make any sense and it wasn't that they didn't get it. They got it. It just led them nowhere, and they didn't get any answers for it. And I said, well, have you ever watched any Lucio Fulci films? And they were like, some people took it like, you know, on the off. You know, I was trying to make a theory here. Right. Because I'm a big fan of Lucio Fulci. I love his films. Because a lot of his films leave an open-ended, ambiguous ending. Because it kind of leaves it up for interpretation, for you to digest, puke up, feed your baby birds with, pull the food out of their mouths and suck it down again and try to like think about it and talk about it. Kind of like what we were talking about last week with Blair Witch. I mean, sometimes it's just fun to let your imagination run away with itself. And maybe that's just the creative side of me. You know, right. like I'm a creative person, you're a creative person. We like creative things. So maybe it's good for us because we are of that creative ilk that type so it's easy for us to make to like something that makes us wonder in the end i found that a lot of my favorite films are have kind of sort of ambiguous endings right and i was talking to one of my other buddies about this and he said he loves that shit too and i was like i'm right there with you man so guys if you get a chance check it out if you're a fan of lochia volci i really have a feeling that you're gonna like the void and the reason why is because it doesn't have this all laid out for you thing. Anybody can understand a movie that has leads you in some direction of some sort. Oh, dude, don't you get me started. That kind of stuff where people just need to be spoon fed their fucking storylines. I'm not trying to pick on people that don't like ambiguous endings and stuff like that. Right. But I am trying to say that like sometimes it really is intentional. And it doesn't mean that it's like lazy writing, like everybody was saying. Oh, right. it's lazy writing and horrible acting and bad story. It's like, no, you're just having an opinion. I, I just have it hard. I have a hard time understanding while somebody can sit there and go, Lucio Fulci's the shit, and then say on the other end that this movie sucks because it's not really good story writing. Yeah. It's like, do you understand any of those movies were not really well-written stories? They, right. There was more about the the aesthetic, the feel, the vibe, and the, the, and the, the look and everything. Like, right. that's what I got from this movie, and that's what I wanted from this movie, and I got it. So I just wanted to mention it because we're going into Lucio Fulci land with the Gates of Hell trilogy, which is the unofficial trilogy. Some people have called it the Lovecraftian trilogy from Lucio Fulci. 
And the reason being is because it has a lot of tropes. While it doesn't directly borrow from Lovecraft, it still has a lot of Lovecraft elements. One of the first movies I want to talk about is City of the Living Dead. And if you guys haven't heard of this movie, uh, just to give you guys a little background for me, I personally feel that when I saw City of the Living Dead for the first time, and I was a latecomer to this movie. You weren't premature at all? <laughs> really? <laughs> I was a little bit of a latecomer. I think I was like 18 or something like that. I was kind of a casual horror fan before that. And I feel like once I watched City of the Living Dead, which I took ultra serious when I saw this movie, because the vibe that it had was so intense, I had never seen anything like it. I watch it now, and we make jokes in the middle of the movie and stuff, right? Right. But this movie was so different from all the other movies that I had seen. I just was blown away by it, and I couldn't get it out of my head. And instantly, after I saw that movie... I started searching for everything Italian, Lucio, Fulci, everything, like just anything I could find. And I started sucking it down. Now, the movie came out in 1980. It was, of course, directed by Lucio Fulci, and it was written by Lucio Fulci. So he wrote the story and he helped the screenplay. Now, it says here that H.P. Lovecraft was the inspiration for this movie, and it totally makes sense. It's about a reporter and a psychic close to the gates of hell after the suicide of a clergyman, a priest, yeah. caused them to open the gates of hell, allowing the dead to rise from their graves. And it happens to take place where this priest hangs himself in Dunwich. Like Salem, pretty Salem much. Salem witch trials. Right. First of all, this is your first time seeing any of these movies, right? which I'm super proud that I was your cherry popper. <laughs> um, what do you personally think of this movie? Um, you know what? I really enjoyed this movie. It, it, set a, it set a tone. It definitely had that Argento feel. Like It just seems like Fulci and Argento, they just really like to make their backgrounds, or what do you want to say, like a character in themselves. Okay. What do you mean exactly? Just the, the, the just their shooting locations, just, just so unique. Everything is real aesthetic. It, it, yeah, exactly. That it just feels like it's a character all in itself. Okay. The music is great. Right. And there was a lot of things I've seen in this. I saw in this movie that I had never seen in any other horror movie ever. Right. And I and that alone got me. It's slow burn in a sense, but it is a pretty damn good movie. So, what did you think about the gore in this movie? Like, I mean. Seeing it now versus all the advanced gore we see today. Oh, it was great, dude. Okay. Like, I really enjoyed some of it. Well, it's interesting to know from somebody that, you know, may not... You're watching some pretty old fucking movies that were essentially straight-to-video almost. Right. Like, he was a straight-to-video director in a way that got really popular, and a lot of people hated him. Really? Yeah, a lot of people thought he was garbage. Meh. Which is funny because him and Argento both... They both got that shit. Right. A lot of people felt that because they had their own unique style. They liked unique stories. They liked to do unique things that nobody had ever done before. And that's why they became instant cult classics, because they were willing to do things that nobody else did. One of the things I noticed with Fulci and what he did with these movies, these three trilogy, is he was willing to go into the gore way longer than any other movie before it, in a way. Mm. Like not not I'm not trying to compare it to everyone. I'm just saying like 
the gore scenes were long. Oh, yeah. Way longer than you see in movies today. Like, a lot of the stuff you see today is really short, like, yeah, little it's, snaps of shit. Sure. I mean, it, may, it might be kind of long, but these were, like, showpieces. Right. When you walk into a, a, a movie uh, museum, you're like, oh, shit, there's the guy getting drilled in the head. Oh, there's this. Oh, there's this. These yeah. are showpieces. I mean, what do you think about that compared to today's movies and, and uh, special effects? First of all, I mean, these, these special effects, as practical as they fucking could be, looked fucking phenomenal. Okay. And they, they, just, they still hold up. Even though they didn't look real, you still thought it was, like, believable in a way. Yeah. I mean, you could tell certain tricks in, of the trade were here, here and there, you know. But all in all... It, it was a solid, solid practical effects. And hearing about how they did some of those behind the scenes were really fucking cool. There was a lot of really cool information about this movie. Right. I just remember the very opening scene. And there's some history on this in the beginning of the scene of the of the movie of City of Living Dead. Fabio Frizzi did the music for this movie. Uh, one of the things, Lucio Fulci was pissed at him, Okay. For me, when I first saw this intro, I only knew that there was the song that they put the, the in, in the movie. Right. But apparently, Fabio Fritzi did another intro video or song. He had also worked on Zombie, which is considered to be one of Fulci's all-time biggest movies. Zombie 2, Flesh, Zombie Flesh Eaters, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Zombie 2 was technically supposed to be Dawn of the Dead sequel. Oh, really? Yeah, because in Italy, they named the movie Zombie instead of Dawn of the Dead. Okay. So then Fulci made Zombie 2. So essentially was the sequel to that. And then Fulci made City of the Living Dead after that was supposed to be kind of a sequel of Zombie 2 in a way. Hmm. Which is weird, right? Yeah. Anyway... Fabio Fritzi did another song that was supposed to be in the beginning of that movie. And if you guys remember, if you've seen this movie, it has a very slow, very dark tone to it, which I personally prefer over the original song. But I like the song that he had made up in the beginning as a whole. Like, I really do like it. Fabio Fritzi did this song. And, it, and, and if you haven't listened to Fabio Fritzi's stuff, you realize that he has a very uplifted tone, even though it may be dark and kind of... Like, some of the notes are kind of off-key and stuff like that. You'll notice that it's kind of upbeat and happy in a way, which is really weird to see in a horror movie, especially one with gore. Well, this seems like Fritzi likes to build up on something. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, and in the beginning of this, in this song that he did, they were doing test uh, sounds for the beginning of the opening. It was very important. Fulci came over. Fabio Fritzi was like, oh, yeah, I got some stuff done, ready to go. I'm going to see what you think. He was really young at this time. I believe he was like 25. And Fulci brought him on, you know, because of zombie success to do the City of the Living Dead. And Fulci got pissed, like pissed, pissed. Oh, wow. He was like, this is, what the fuck is, I don't know what he said necessarily. He like got all Gordon Ramsay on his ass. It was, it was very Gordon Ramsay. I mean, Fulci's been known to have a very aggressive tone because he has a very strong vision of what he wants. Right. Uh, Fabio Fritzi was really young. Fulci gave him a huge start. He was like defeated. Like he was like, oh my God. Fulci was like, this is not supposed to be happy. What are you doing to me, Fritzi? And uh, 
So he took it to heart. Like, Fabio Fritzi was like, oh, my God. Like, what the fuck, you know? He's like, well, it was going to get darker. Like, he didn't even listen to the whole song. He's like, no, crap. He was just like instantly like, no. So, I don't know. I think it's really interesting that they went from the original. Now, when he goes out and plays live with his band, he plays that song now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because he'll go through all the different films of all the movies that he did. He'll put the movie on behind the screen while he's playing. He'll play that song. And he said that it's actually driven people to tears. Wow. Because they think it's so beautiful. He's like, in a way, I feel like that's kind of like a, in a friendly way, like, see, it wasn't so bad, Fulci. <laughs> right. I thought that was a really interesting story because Fabio Frizzi is really, he's worked with the guys from Goblin. He's worked with a lot of talented people. He just, he just blew up after Zombie. It was just like all the way. Right. So I think that intro now with the new song that's in it, like the one, it's considered new, but it's the song that you guys probably heard is like really slow. I think that one is like super creepy. And watching that movie open up for the first time and seeing the fucking priest hang himself and then the, the zombie come up out of the ground was so intense. You hear like babies crying and shit. <laughs> right, right. Like it was creepy, man. Like I was just blown away by it. I Years later, I went to go see it in the theater. Somebody actually had the original film. And I, they had to show, like a one night showing, and I got to see it in the theater, and people were laughing, and I got mad. I was like, I'll fucking kill you. Yeah, I was <laughs> mad. I was like, what the fuck is this? You know, like, but What's then so I, funny? But I, I didn't realize how it affected me versus somebody else. And then I kind of got into it, and I was laughing with them and stuff. I was like, right. yeah, it is kind of ridiculous, but I took it ultra serious. So, I mean, how did you feel when you were watching it? I mean, yeah, there's, I mean, not growing up this movie and just being introduced to it, yeah, there is some silliness, but not too much where I'm. Not, it turns me off to the film. Okay, I mean, I've seen way worse. Yeah, and this is doesn't even scratch the surface of you know horrible shit. <laughs> right? Would you say you enjoyed it more of a serious film? Or would you say like what? No, I would say I yeah. just am curious to see what you think. Like it affected me so much as a serious film. I thought it was good. It's definitely, it leaves you thinking at the end of the movie, and I just love when movies do that. You don't have to do all the work. I can do some of the work, too. Right. And probably whatever I think of is going to be better than what you thought of anyway. Well, his, mo- <laughs> no, no, well his movies drip with, like, a vibe. Right. And I think the music's a huge part of that. I think Fabio Frizzi really pushed a lot of that stuff, although some of the other people that worked on his films I thought were good, too. But it just seemed like... The music and the movie work together to create that vibe. His camera work. Right. It always seems like with him, like the less you know, he thinks it's the better kind of thing. Sure. Because he doesn't ever... Well, it's like, almost like he implants that tension into you. Because right. he does a lot of up-close eye shots. Did you notice that? Oh, yeah. Like, and then you'll hear... It's like this really serious intention. You're like, wait, why is it all serious right now? Right. But it, it kind of synthetically pushes you into that vibe. Exactly. And I think uh, I think that was a huge thing probably back, you know, I don't know. I was probably like three years old when the fucking movie came out. Shit, it didn't even release in America until 83, and it came out in 80. Right. And I wasn't even born until 83, so. <laughs> oh, you little fuck. <laughs> It was shot in Upper West Side, New York. They also shot it in Savannah, Georgia. And all the interior shots they shot at DePaulo Studios 
aka Deers Studios, I believe, in Rome, Italy. Fulci was famous for doing this. He would shoot in America because he wanted his movies to do well. And he usually liked to go to New York, it seemed like. Yeah, very much so. Always, like, every single one of these movies had New York in it. Right. And then it would, like, move somewhere else. Right. It would go, like, from New York. In this one, it went to, to Dunwich. There is some people in this movie that really made it, did a really good uh, role, I think. Some surprise little fucking cameo actors that became big directors, actually. Yeah. Michelle Sovey was in this movie as a really small bit actor when the makeout scene, the gut puking scene, if everybody knows what that is. If you haven't seen this movie, I'm gonna we're gonna spoil a little bit throughout this, but not too much. We have to a little bit though because it's just insane, right? Um, but Michelle Sovi, he was a, he's a famous Italian director. He played Tommy in the film. He's making out with this other girl who's actress Danielle Doria. Um, but the makeout scene where the girl pukes out her organs. He wanted to be a director so bad during this movie that he actually offered up free time. He was like, I will be your assistant director and I will help out any way I can because he just wanted to be a director. Wasn't he also supposed to be playing somebody else, like a different role in this movie? No, he was only in the movie as just an extra because he wanted to be a part of this so bad. Okay. If you're not familiar with who Michelle Sovey is... He actually went on to do Stage Fright, Cemetery Man, and The Church, to name a few. Which, Cemetery Man is is kind of a a popular cult hit. The Church is an underground one. Supposedly Demons 3, technically, but it was more psychological. And Stage Fright is pretty cool, too. But Also, the other actress in the car, Danielle Doria. But she actually put real sheep intestines in her mouth for a lot of the versions of this movie that got out across the countries all these different countries they cut a lot of that scene out but it was ridiculous why they did it because it's so crazy and unique death right a fucking priest stares at you till you cry blood and then puke out your organs and i'd have to say all those effects were done great like, you didn't see the tubes that much when they were no. bleeding, bleeding out of the eyes. And the organs look fucking fantastic, dude. And yeah, it's probably probably my favorite scene of the movie. This movie does a lot more different than I've seen in a lot of his other movies. Like, I just feel like, yeah, all of his movies have really iconic death scenes. Oh, yeah. But I just feel like this one had the most unique and different. It did. Also, the movie didn't release, like I said, it didn't release until, like, the U.S. until 83. And it was uh, called The Gates of Hell, which they had some artwork that they were going to call this movie something different before it. And you brought this up. Twilight of the Dead. Right. The artwork, if you guys have ever seen The Gates of Hell, is kind of like... Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead, where the head's coming up over the horizon. This one's with the head, a zombie head over top of a city over horizon. And it says The Gates of Hell. They were originally going to call it The Twilight of the Dead. Which, I think they almost got sued. They, they did. did get sued yeah. to remove it because they said it was looking... It was too much. It was like copyright infringement almost at that yeah, point. Yeah, they thought or... they were trying to be like Dawn of the Dead. Exactly. Uh, so they were like, yep, nope, not going to happen. So they changed it to Gates of Hell. Which, in my opinion, makes a little bit more sense for the movie. It does. A.K.A. City of the Living Dead in, in Italy. 
Which I kind of prefer calling it that. And the word Twilight's been tainted anyway, so... Well, wasn't fucking George Romero supposed to do a Twilight of the Dead? I think so. I think you might be right on that. There was also a couple other scenes in this movie that were really good. Um, one of them was the head drilling scene. Oh, dude. Which was cut from a lot of the movie, a lot of the different cinemas and releases over the years. Really? Yeah, they cut it from the UK one for sure. I remember when that scene came on. You're like, "Oh, dude, this scene's gonna be great!" And I was like, "Does something happen with that drill?" <laughs> That's like the first thing <laughs> my eye went to. I lied to you too. You did. I was like, "Wait, oh, I didn't even realize there was a drill." Because <laughs> I didn't want to ruin it for you. Even I already did. Right. Yeah, but Bob gets drilled in the fucking head. They talk about how he did the drill scene and how they used like a fake wax uh, drill that they stuck in the side on both sides, actually, to make it spin it the same way. Right. And I thought it was so cool. It was just such a cool, like, what the fuck scene? Mm-hmm. Like, why all of a sudden they're just like, oh, he's a murderer. And then, and like, then like, you're going to freak out and murder him? Right, And he's yeah. not, like, resisting or anything. Yeah, he's like, please, no, no. And I just, just wanted a place to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> Although you get some really strange ideas, Bob. That's what she says. It's like, why would you sleep in the one place where you're the guy's daughter disappeared with you and with you into the woods and everybody thought you were raping her and all of a sudden now you're gonna come back to that garage where everybody thinks you're a rapist of some sort or child molester or whatever the fuck they were alluding to right and sleep in the garage like you're just asking to get drilled in well that. he wasn't so bright anyway so right he was a little weird he was always skulking around he was dude all the time skulking around <laughs> <laughs> He really was. Like, every time I saw him, I was like, look at him skulk. He's so good at skulking. <laughs> also, the um, there was a German release of this movie, uh, but it was cut a fuck ton, obviously. Oh, yeah. uh, I think there was only actually like a nine-minute cut version available. That was like the fullest version that Germany got. So wow. they pretty much cut a lot of this shit out. Um, one of the cemeteries that they actually, if you remember, there was a scene, one of my favorite scenes, by the way, is where the two guys are talking about, they're taking a lunch break over top of a grave, (laughs) which is, it's, it's one of my corpse sandwiches, by the way. Oh, is it? He's eating a sandwich over top of a dead body. There we go. So that counts as my corpse sandwich website that I'm putting up. Uh, so that's, that's, that's like a, I don't know how many I've got now, but I've got them written down. Uh, but anyway, he says one of the funniest lines I've ever heard in a movie. It just made me crack up when I first saw it. He said, you know, you're going to end up a peeping Tom. Oh, because he was looking at the skin mags. Yeah. yeah, he was looking at the skin mags over a dead body while eating a sandwich. He was like, you're going to end up a pervert, a peeping Tom. A peeping Tom. He's like, I knew a guy once who, what did he say? I loved. He loved himself so much. He jerked himself off too much that he ended up dying. He humped himself to death. Yeah, he humped himself to death. He was like, too much of a good thing, I guess. And he's like, yeah, but what a way to go. I was like, yes, that's fucking great. Anyway, that scene where they dug up the hole in the ground, I'm not sure if those are real bones there, but I know that when they were digging a hole for that scene that was overlooking New York, they actually dug a hole. It was supposed to be a small hole, then they ended up digging a big hole. And they actually did come across bones. Oh, shit. And so the people that ran the cemetery were freaking the fuck out. Wow. And they fucking kicked them off the set. Oh, shit. Yeah. So I don't know how that worked, but they didn't really explain it real well. But I thought it was interesting to mention. 
I was just wondering if they ever figured out who that body belonged to. Yeah, probably not. No. It's just lost grave. Push that under the carpet there. <laughs> uh, Christopher George, who was in this movie, he played the reporter. How do you know? He's always talking like this. Yeah. <laughs> but Christopher George, he was a reporter. He had a fight with uh, Fulci in this movie about smoking a cigar. There's a scene where he goes on their way to Dunwich. They stop by a church to ask about Father, you know, the priest that hung himself or whatever. And Fulci was like, no, you don't smoke cigars here at church. I don't I don't agree with this. And he was like, you don't understand. This is America. We can do whatever we want here. It's different. <laughs> so Fulci, who doesn't like actors but didn't want to, you know, he felt like maybe the cigar would give him confidence. Right. Said, okay, whatever, just smoke the cigar. But they had this big kind of like a beef towards each other because of it. Hmm. Um, so much, in fact, that if you guys remember the maggot scene in the movie, there's a scene where they, all these maggots fly in a window suddenly. Yeah, it, That's 22 pounds of yeah, maggots. That's a lot of maggots. We, well, actually, we, I don't know. How, much, how many maggots is that? I don't know. But it seems like it'd be a lot. And I, I like when I watch these movies, I always think like they would never be able to get away with that now. Oh yeah, you know because it's like someone's like save the save the maggots, you know like <laughs> like maggots are gonna be fine. They'll just create themselves out of our bodies. Yeah, the, the maggots are always gonna be around. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, like they were shooting real maggots at these people, and in that scene, it it's like them really reacting to maggots. They even glued maggots on their faces. With some sort of like glue, so yeah. that it looked like it was sticking to their face, and they were still moving and shit. Right, that's just crazy, dude. But long after that maggot scene happened, a lot of the actors were pissed off about the scene because Fulci was like really enjoying himself while that was happening. Oh yeah, like he was laughing and just <laughs> like really. That was like his sixth sense of humor that he had. Right. And so Christopher George didn't take too kind to that neither did catriona mccall uh they all kind of like felt weird about it but one day fulci would bring like a sack of tobacco right in a bag right it was like his trademark he would wear it on his side it was this like side bag with all his tobacco in his pipe and he used it all the time and one day this was like long after the magazine like probably like days or something like that Somebody took a bunch of maggots and put it in his bag in place of his tobacco. How funny is that now, huh? Yeah, so he reached in to grab it. And at the time, nobody knew who did it. But now that Fulci's passed away, some of the special effects guys were like, yeah, we we know it was Christopher George. <laughs> so Christopher George was like, take that, you motherfucker. <laughs> Stick that in your pipe and smoke it. Yeah. Oh, damn. <laughs> But yeah, Fulci was a very high-tempered kind of guy. Yeah. It's just how he was, you know what I mean? He's a he was very stuck in his ways. He knew what he wanted. He had a vision of what he wanted. He wanted to do it right. He was very stubborn. Right. Very much like me. Like I may come across as an asshole, but apparently he was a really nice guy too. Right. And a lot of people had really heartfelt moments with him, but he was just so obsessed with doing everything right. So um, one of the scenes that they talk about, there was rats in the movie that were eating the brains of people. Cause you know, they would crush, they would crush their back of their head. Right. And they would just pop their head open and all the brains would pour out, which is a really cool effect. It looks fucking dope. It's like super cool. 
they had all these rats scurry over to the brains and try to eat it. Well, Fulci couldn't, for whatever reason, the animal handlers couldn't get the rats to eat the brains, whatever it was. So he started screaming at the rats and the animal handler to make them eat the brains. And he was just so pissed off. Eat! Eat! (laughs) I mean, whatever Italian way you want to say it. But it just goes to show you just how passionate he was. But do you have any favorite scenes? We've already talked about them, but I would have to say probably one of my favorite scenes. Well, number one favorite scene has to be when they're the guy and the girl are at the makeout point or whatever in the woods. Okay, and she freaks out. She's like, "I think there's somebody there," and he turns the lights on, and all of a sudden they see the preacher guy hanging him hanging from a tree. Yeah, he's like, "There's nothing there." He right. flips on the lights, and it's like <gasps> they're all panicking, like, "What the fuck?" And then they just he just disappears. Right. And then, like, you she know, she slowly turns her head to the left and then he appears next to the car. Yeah, right outside her window. Right. And then they just lock eyes and she just starts bleeding from the eyes and eventually just her organs start coming out of her mouth. Yeah, and, for like two minutes, man. Right. And they apparently they used fresh organs from yeah, a lamb that had been slaughtered saying. that day. Yeah. They killed it fresh because they didn't want it to smell. Right. Because they, you know, if they used old organs, it would not only taste bad, but I thought it was. They kind of a happenstance kind of thing, like it or someone had already done it, and it just kind of lined up for the scene they were already doing. So no, this was a time. It. This was a time when animals were okay to kill. Okay, it, it became a big deal later. That's what I'm saying. You'll never see a movie like this. Uh huh. See what I'm saying? Unless right. someone wants to eat old rancid fucking sheep guts, but they washed off the guts. They literally killed it right before the scene. Washed the guts off, and then she stuffed it in her mouth. Danielle... They had her chew her up a little bit, too, didn't they? She just had to, like, open her mouth a little bit so the organs would kind of pop out. Right. And then they had a prosthetic head, you know, where they pushed the organs through with, like, a like a blood solution, watery blood solution, so right. it looked like, you know. But, yeah, that has to be probably my favorite scene. And uh, that's all I'm going to ruin for you guys. What was one of your favorite scenes? That, I mean, that is one of my favorite scenes. Exactly. But there are so many different cool scenes in this movie that just, they're just different. Right. Like, I don't know how to explain it. Like, the drill scene's really cool, too. Oh, dude, when the creepy stalker guy, he's skulking sk- around. Skulky McBob? Uh, Skulky McSkulkerson. <laughs> uh, there's a scene where he goes to a house for some weird, I mean, it doesn't look like it's his house. It looks like it's condemned. Oh, where he throws the, the blow-up doll down? Yeah, he just throws it, and it just inflates. And then he's like, hello. Yeah. He's like touching it and like real intimate with it in right. a way. Like it was almost like a little creepy. Yeah, like you could tell there's just something off about him. But that he looks over and he just sees this decaying body and baby just, or something. Is it a baby? It looks like a baby. Well, whatever it is, it looks fucking amazing. This has got worms on it and, and shit. Maggots and yeah. hues of purple and red and blue. It just it looks very I don't know. Awesome. I also like the scene where the chicks who sees uh, the doctor, Sandra, she goes by Sandra in the movie. Okay. She goes to see the therapist. And there was a scene where she like calls him up in the middle of the night because she finds something out. Like the glass on the window breaks and then shoots into the wall and the wall starts bleeding. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is a really cool effect. Oh, yeah. Um, They shot like glass into a wall of rubber bands which i thought was really weird i was like how did they get them to go all at the same time so they all just pulled it and shot it and it all stuck in the wall and then it just had all these like blood in it. but anyway 
I thought the scene where she's like, I think I'm losing my mind, and she's like kind of losing it a little bit. I thought it was a really kind of intense scene because it just made me feel like, oh my god, anything could happen. Like right. there's just dead bodies showing up. It's like some old lady. You see her fucked up feet underneath there. Like what the fuck is going on right now? Now you didn't see that lady again, did you? I think she was the. I don't know who she was. Yeah, she was but just some old lady that was at the thing at the. Uh, cemetery or yeah whatever. well she, before she was at the the mortuary yeah well at the cemetery whatever right anything else you want to mention about this movie before we move on let's see what kind of factoids i got for you guys oh the ending of this movie oh yeah spoiler alert guys we're going to talk about this for about a minute right so the ending like alex was saying fulci is known for doing ambiguous endings right and that this is no different there is a little bit of a backstory here they said that maybe fulci wanted to reshoot that or the editor of the original film had spilled coffee on the end scene. So they just had to like piece together something. Right. Which they use this weird cracked mirror sort of reality type thing. Right. At the end, which I always interpreted it as, well, they never really left hell. Right. It was just a reflection of reality and it broke and it shattered. So it shattered their imagination. Which I totally buy. Yeah, I just looked at it as that for me. I mean, what do you guys think of the end, by the way? Do you guys have any other ideas? What about you? Like, what did you think before you knew that, though? I, I, I was still trying to piece it together, and you kind of you spit that spitball that out, and I was like, dude, that that's interesting. Like, yeah. I see that now. Well, because the kid's running at her, and he's, like, so happy, and it starts to get real serious. He, like, breathes, and he's like... <laughs> right. And supposedly, what was supposed to happen? He was supposed to be a zombie. And turn in and start attacking her. Exactly. But that did not happen. I kind of don't know what I think of that. Like, I think it would be cool. Right. Like, I think I would like both, but I don't know. Like, I don't know now, because I, it's so imprinted in me. Right, that's what you know. Yeah, this is what I know. I mean, I... I can't say I was really fond of the in- the ending when I first saw it. Right. But it grew on me. As time go on and you started thinking about it, you yeah. started putting together your own story. I loved it so much that it, it just kind of grew on me. Yeah. One thing I do want to say is that in order, the order that it goes here, guys, the way that these movies were made, these movies were made in a year to a year and a half at the most. But City of the Living Dead, a.k.a. Gates of Hell, The Gates of Hell, was made first. Then it goes The Beyond, and then it goes into The House by the Cemetery, technically. So we're jumping to The Beyond, which also came out in 1981. He basically made two movies that year, back-to-back. And then I think he made Black Cat for the rest of that year, and it came out in 82. The Beyond is considered to be one of the most popular, more story-driven movies. There are some people on one side of the fence that absolutely adore this movie and others that say, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, what the fuck does this mean? Right. I could watch this a million times and nothing of it makes sense. And it's like, doesn't always have to be, buddy. Right. I mean, there are some goofs in this movie. Yeah. Fabio Fritzi did the the music in this one again. Uh, yeah, I don't know how I'm, if I'm saying it right, but I, I believe it's Fabio Fritzi. Fritzi! Fritzi! But he did the music in this one as well. He did not do the music in The House by the Cemetery, and we'll go into that after this. I think he did a great job. What did you think of the soundtrack, by the way? It was good. You know, Fritzi, just, like I said, he has a style. He knows how to build up a, a track, and he knows how to drop it when he needs to. But I think it definitely 
did a really good job in that movie. I think oh, yeah. the Beyond music was superb. Oh yeah. Obviously, it this movie was directed by Lucio Fulci, but we had Dardano Sacchetti, uh, who also did the story and the screenplay, and also Giorgio Mariozu. But uh, Sarchetti, he was a writer for Demons. He was also the writer for 1990 Bronx Warriors. Those are two of the big ones that he did. Some of the actors in this, of course, again, one of the main actresses who has been in all of these movies is Catriona McCall, David Warbeck, and quite a few others. But to give you guys kind of an idea what the story is about, Beyond is a young woman inherits an old hotel in Louisiana where, following a series of supernatural accidents, she learns that the building was built over one of the entrances, the seven entrances, to hell. Now, this movie was also called Seven Doors of Death. Which is also another cool title. Right. Like, I wouldn't mind that. I don't know. The Beyond just leaves it open. Right. I mean, obviously, our show, <laughs> the reason that I lean towards Beyond the Veil and Beyond the Void was because I like movies that take place beyond our reality. Right. And that is my main thing. Like the beyond, from beyond. Right. <laughs> and I've always just loved, that's just my thing. Mm-hmm. So the beyond, the void, I mean, you can you can kind of get an idea here. These are my bread and butter. Um, what did you personally think of this movie overall, for your first time seeing it? It was it was okay. I mean, like I said, it... it it did some good things, and it, it it didn't necessarily take you by the hand and like, let's go, come on, and this is you know. I think it, it did more than City. it did more so than maybe his other movies did. That's still not saying much. I feel like it had more of a story, yeah, than the other movies, of the three at least. Right. You know, it may not be considered his best story-driven movie, but yeah. I'm just saying it is one of the top stories of the three, in my opinion. Right, and I would have to say the ending of this movie was probably probably one of my favorites out of right. the three. Even though it wasn't my favorite movie out of the three, the ending was just fucking perfect. Right. I wish I could tell you more about The Void, but you haven't seen it yet. Yeah, don't tell me. <laughs> don't ruin it. You need that. to watch that next and then tell me if you see any comparisons in that movie. Oh, for sure. So you did enjoy it, though. I, I enjoyed it, yeah, thoroughly. Yeah, it's a good movie. I think it had a lot of elements in it, a lot of weird things going on. Pretty brutal deaths, right? Right. I think as far as the deaths are compared, I still... I won't, I won't, I won't say my favorites yet, but there is a lot of history to this movie, other than Catriona McCall. Right, which is pretty much all three of these movies. She's still around. And she's still looking good. <laughs> she actually was saying how much she respected him and that part of the reason that Fulci loved her so much is because she took his film so seriously mm. and he was so serious about his films. Like, right. Although there is some funny stuff in this movie inadvertently that we'll talk about here in a little while. <laughs> what do you think about the pacing of this one though? Did it flow like the other ones? Do you feel like it, it flowed a little bit more, but it's still slow burn. Right. Which it probably should be, just to lead that suspense and kind of drag it out. Well, the, uh, all the death scenes are pretty much show pieces. And right, all, all the exactly. All the atmosphere is to build it up to those scenes. Exactly. Like I said, I've seen worse movies out there. And I'm not trying to say this is a bad movie it's by any means. It's definitely not. It is definitely a good Fulci film. If we're going to watch Fulci, this is one of them. Oh, 100%. I would say Zombie probably beats this one. Oh, yeah. As far as popularity goes. Um, and then it's 
the Beyond. Right. Those two kind of compete for number one spot, depending on what you like. Okay. Because one's more surrealistic, ambiguous. Zombie's pretty straightforward. Right. But it's got a really amazing soundtrack. (laughs) Anyway. While the film wasn't released in the U.S. fully uncut until about 1998, and I believe Tarantino had some help with that. Oh, really? Yeah. He was uh, one of the people. Um, Fulci died just shortly uh, before it got released. Grindhouse Releasing did it, and it wasn't until 2001 that the UK was actually able to get the fully uncut of this, because this is one of the movies towards the end of the Video Nasty era, Mm -hmm. where they were like putting all these VHS movies on ban, right? where they were like literally pulling them off the shelves and you weren't allowed to watch them type thing. And you had to like get copies from friends and stuff like that. It was pretty interesting how people would get these copies. It was like, why is this such a big deal? And you look at it now and it's like, it's so kind of laughable that they even right. took like, it so seriously. Especially when you see movies that like as gory as like Saw or fucking Hostel or... Well, and I think because what it was is that in, during that time, television became so popular over decades that people didn't know what the adverse reaction was to too much television and it was almost like an alternate perception so people thought well whatever you see it's almost like you're living it yeah and you're implanting these memories in your brain so the uk like was like fuck that there's a dude getting drilled in the head on this video fuck driller killer that's getting taked off that was one of the worst of the video nasties by the way oh really because just because of the cover in particular huh but this got added later on, and um, they actually wanted to give it an X rating, the UK. Really? Yeah, dude. It's like, really? Yeah. Because they didn't have a, you know, they didn't have a too big a wide uh, range of ratings, I, I assume. But this is where ratings became a thing. I think there was only after. like, wait, like one shot of some boobs at the very and, beginning? Well, they gave it an X like you would like an N17 because it's just graphic. Right. But, you know, nowadays, fast forward to today, gore is overlooked, nudity is not. Like, you can't... There's well, certain types of nudity. Gore is to- totally okay. You can watch someone get beheaded, stuck in the... Well, it depends. If it's sexually involved... Right. Then it becomes, like, an issue. Yep. Kind of like Serbian film, fucking a baby. Like, it's not real, but it's sexually involved, so therefore... If it's tits, okay, but you're showing a dick, we can't have none of that. Yeah, that too, yeah. The story kind of revolves around this book called Abon, E-I-B-O-N. The book of Abon is actually written, it's a fictional book created by Ashton Clark Smith. But the book of Abon also contains like a huge number of different spells, kind of like the Necronomicon, I guess you could say. Some of the, the spells that they do, they have procedures required to create a spatial gateway. So essentially the beyond... Right. You get it? It has, like, numerous different types of prayers to Sathugua and many different other things. I could go into it. I did a lot of research on this part, but I don't think we need to get into it that much. Let's just say very Lovecraftian. So he used it in this in this movie. There was a couple of really cool, interesting death scenes that I thought kind of reminded me of other things. Like what? Well, there is a blind girl, and this is one I wanted to bring up to you that I, I, I'm springing on you now. Okay. Okay, so in the movie, there was a blind girl named Emily who escaped the beyond. Right. But there was a scene 
where the blind girl, Emily, she's like freaking out because Schweitz, this artist who lived in the hotel and got murdered, he is essentially there with all these people he's killed. And she's like, leave me alone. Just leave me alone. And she has her dog attack Schweitz, who's the artist, the main guy from the beyond. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. And then the dog comes back all bloody, right? And then turns on her and rips out her throat. Now, does this seem similar? I'm trying to uh, put my finger on it. Okay, well, I'll just, just drop yeah. the bomb, okay? Drop it on me. Do you remember in Suspiria where Argento had the scene where the blind guy who played piano... Oh, yeah. He was out in the courtyard of the of the, 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 the dance studio. Yeah. And he gets his throat ripped out. He was blind. So Fulci, a couple years later... Decides, or a year or two later, whatever. I think it was 77 it came out for uh, Suspiria. A couple years later, he did another scene where the girl who plays piano, she does that doom, 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 doom. I never made that connection, dude. She's blind. She plays piano. And she gets her throat ripped off by a dog that almost looks exactly like the dog from Suspiria. Yeah. I never, I didn't even connect those dots, dude. Right. So I don't know if anybody's ever made that uh, observation. If you guys have or didn't, and you think that's pretty like weird, I don't know what to think of that. A lot of people used to say that Argento and Fulci hated each other, but apparently they never did, and they worked on the wax mask together right before he died. Mm. I don't know. What do you guys think of that? What did you? I mean, do you? What, which scene of those do you think is better? The Suspiria one. You think? Well. well- I think that the Fulci one went a little bit further because he chews off her ear. Yeah, you're, and now that you mention it, you know, I'm just a little bit biased, I think, because I do like Suspiria a whole lot more. Oh, yeah, that was pretty brutal, too. Right, but uh, you're right. It was a little bit more gorier in Fulci's take. Yeah, because he chews on her ear, too. Yeah, oh, the ear scene, dude. Yeah, The way like he pops. ripped flesh, like the, the whatever kind of practical effects he was using, it looks fucking real and disgusting sometimes. And I can't think of the name of the actress offhand, guys, but I do remember an interview with her where she was talking about how she didn't like horror movies and how hard work horror movies are because you have to put on all this stuff and then stand there in the area for, like, hours upon hours. She said it was really hard for her to get all that blood all over her face and, like, attack her. I thought it was interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Just one thing I, I found by myself and thought about. I was like, God, that that's so similar to Suspiria. Yeah, it really is. Now that I think about it, fucking spot on. Too many coincidences, right? Yeah. You know, David Warbeck was in this movie. He was the uh, surgeon, doctor, mortician, whatever, autopsy room guy. Right. He was in this movie, and years later when they actually released the uncut version, he did an interview for the DVD set that I have right up there. Um, He did an interview for that, and literally two weeks later, he died. Oh, wow. He had just done uh, filming with also with Jake West. Really? For the movie called The Razorblade Smile. Okay. He was in that movie as well before he died. I'll have to check that out. It was his last movie. Is it pretty good? Uh, It's, I mean, it's not for everybody, but it is pretty cool. It's the same guy that did Evil Aliens. Well, yeah, I know who Jake West is. Doghouse, et cetera. Uh, but yeah, you should check it out. I mean, it may not be your thing, but you got to look at it as like the roots of somebody in a way. All right. And it still has a pretty cool story, I think. But yeah, I just wanted to point that out. Do you have anything else that you want to point out? Like I said, when Fulci does practical effects, it's just, it's really good. And it's almost like 
it's a work of art. Like the eye popping scene. Yeah, the eye popping scene, the scene with all the tarantulas. Right. Uh, I'm not going to go too deep into that. Just know that there's tarantulas and there's a bunch of them. And look, guys, just so you know, first of all, I told Patrick when we first started this, I was like, Fulci's like my shit, dude. I love it. And there's so many fans out there of Fulci that I wanted to do it right. So maybe I'm going into too much detail for some of you guys, but you got to understand, I highly regard this person as a huge impact on my horror like heart. I don't know how to explain it. Like it is what has opened me up to so many different movies after watching uh, Fulci. It just right. it just changed everything for me. It made me. It just opened my eyes. So I may be going into it a little bit long. Uh, there are some goofy things that happened in the movie that didn't really make sense. Oh yeah, that yeah. they never decided to fix or anything like that. Probably because they just didn't have money. Like he, the elevator scene, right? Well, there's well one I wanted to point out first. First of all, the hotel takes place in Louisiana. This yeah. is where everything goes crazy. There's a basement. There's no basements really in Louisiana. Like if there is, it's very rare and never that as big as that. Right. It just doesn't make any sense. Right. There was a lot of water coming in and they had this big idea. They were like, Why if there's no water coming into the house, how is there water in the basement? And it's like they had this plumber guy come over and everything like that. But I thought it was interesting. Like, first of all, there would be a lot of water in Louisiana because... It's like swamp country. Yeah, it's like swamp country. You can't, like, have that kind of shit there. Right. Another silly little thing was, is in the movie, the blind chick who has come back and, and escaped the beyond, Emily, the blind one, she said that Schweik, who is the artist who was painting the paintings and figured out a key to open up one of the seven doors of hell, which was the hotel, she said he was killed in the room 36. In the very opening scene of the movie, they go up into the room while he's painting and slash him across the face, then drag him into the basement and kill him. Right. She said that he was killed in room 36 and to never go in there again. That didn't happen right so it made no sense it was like maybe it was all a ploy to get her to go into room 36 you know what i mean when someone tells you not to do something it just makes you want to do it that much more i mean yeah but i mean there's too many weird things that have happened in this film that make me wonder else you know like not think it was well, intentional later when they talk to the blind girl it, it she's kind of talking to these dead people kind of like she was in cahoots with them no she wasn't because she was trying to escape them oh she was in hell or the beyond i thought she said you know i, I did everything you asked me to do and maybe she was pushing him in there i never really thought about that i thought she was always trying to escape because they bring her back to beyond right well she obviously doesn't want to go back interesting well now i gotta watch it again i don't know why i'm pretty sure i'm right but, you might be. I don't know. We'll see. There was another funny scene that you started to bring up. Oh, yeah. The there elevator was... scene. Yeah, dude. I thought that was fucking hilarious. If you guys have never seen this in the movie before, David Warbeck obviously was a funny guy. Yeah. And you can imagine that Lucio Fulci being as serious and passionate as he was probably didn't take too lightly to this. But there was a scene where they all get into an elevator and David Warbeck sticks a... He's got a revolver, and he's reloading. And right at the last second, before the, the elevator door shuts, you see him stick the bullet in the tip of the fucking barrel of the gun. <laughs> like he's loading it. Right. And he's just like, he just does it. And then you see Catriona and McCall, and they both laugh at the same time. And they never cut it out. Nope. 
It's still a great scene, though. Like, why would you want to cut it after that? You know I think I mean? it's pretty it's... funny. I love that it's in there. And yeah. I never... I If I did remember seeing it, it might have been early on. It's just not one of those things you pay attention to. Right. So I was just like, wow, how did I miss that? Or did I see it? I don't know. i tell you what pissed me off about that scene right there, though. What? Not just not that scene, but that That, that he was area. shooting too many bullets? He was shooting way too many bullets. And he had already kind of like figured out, yeah, you got to shoot him in the fucking head for them to drop. Oh, completely. yeah, yeah. But that wouldn't make it intense. It would If he was just like a good shot. He I, didn't even try to aim for the head most of the time. I think, I think, you know, I think the thing was is that they were just trying to make it seem more intense. Maybe, Like yeah. they weren't able to be stopped. So they probably just, you know, cheese dicked it a little bit. Right. You know, I agree. Yeah, obviously. If you shot one in the head and it went down, that's where you'd aim every time. Right. But this is... Like, I got it. I'll shoot him in the belly again. This is Fulci land. <laughs> Full of zombies that don't eat brains. And such. Everything. Not all zombies eat brains. Just Return of the Living Dead and a few others. At the very end of the movie, there's a scene that looks like a painting. And I'm not trying to ruin this for anybody, but the people that were in that scene were literally street vagrants. They were like people off the street, and they paid those people an alcohol. If I was homeless, and someone's like, hey, you want some free Hey, you want to lay naked on the fucking some dirt in the studio, and then... I would have been like, top shelf? Yeah. Top shelf looker? Yeah, you going to give me some fucking Sambuca? (laughs) You going to hook it up with some Sambuca, yo? (laughs) But I thought that was kind of like weird, I don't know. Like, they were just like, we need some people, let's get them. Right. You know the band Europe? It's a Swedish band, Europe. No. What songs they do? They have a song called Seven Doors Hotel, which was the name of the hotel in the beyond. Huh. They actually wrote this song based off the movie. I probably heard maybe some of their songs, but I can't put my finger on one right now. Well, basically, it details the entire movie. Oh, really? So it was based off that. I thought it was interesting, though. And it's huge in Japan, like they say. It's huge in Japan. It's huge in Japan. Just like David Hasselhoff. <laughs> the Hoff gets offed. <laughs> um, okay, so favorite scenes. We'll move on to the last movie, the trilogy, and then our overall thoughts. What do you think? Oh, see now, since we watched those two so close together, I'm starting to like, you know, mesh the scenes together. Uh, no, my favorite scene. Okay, my favorite scene. Uh, it has to be when it. What's the plumber's name again? said jake joe joey oh joey the plumber here you know it's not joey it's just joe plumber joe that's the kind of asshole i am when you got a name like that i'm always gonna be like what up joey he just had like the sexy fucking backwoods guy voice you know like all right how are you doing all right we're gonna go ahead and fix that it's all right don't bother me i'm a sewer right coolest dubber ever (laughs) whoever you are if you're listening now hit me up and we'll do an interview now Well, there's a scene where he comes over to fix the flooded basement. Girl comes walking out of the darkness, and she's kind of creepy, right? Hilsa. Hilsa, yeah. yeah. You kind of think something's up with her. But uh, there isn't. So anyways, he said, oh, I made a path for him to go look at the pipes. Yeah, they have this weird, awkward staring contest. Right. It was weird, wasn't it? I didn't know. Like, I've always wondered if that was, like, a sexual thing. Like... Like, because Joe's married, right? Because right. we figured that out. But, like, there was this moment where he's, like, staring at her. And he kind of looks at her body. Right, gives her you the old up and eye- down. Yeah, he gives her the old up and down. 
Like he's like, yeah, I'd stick my plumbing, <laughs> my plumbing bob up in you. Like it just seemed like it, did it not? Like it oh, seemed yeah. highly sexualized, and maybe that was like a subtlety that Fulci wanted in there. Right. That he would cheat on his wife because for whatever reason. <laughs> like you never know. Like maybe the director's got like these like backstories that are really important. Either to they're them. playing out their fantasy through film. Uh maybe. But I just think that like I think directors get hung up on really weird minuscule details. Right. That are not really important in the bigger scheme. But it is to them. But it is to them. Right. And I think that was just one of those things that never really get explained and we'll never really know why. Right. Unless we were to, you know, Maybe get a Ouija board out and talk to Lucio. Ouija. <laughs> so, Joey. Oh, Joey. I'm sorry. Joe, the Joe. plumber. He goes down to the pipes, down this weird, yeah, creepy... So, like, what are we talking about? Is this a porno? Yeah. yeah. Okay. He's going, he, he got, I heard you got some empty pipes. Yo, you got some pipes? You got some pipes in the Damn, filled? son. <laughs> you got some rusty-ass pipes. <laughs> you need this motherfucker to work on them. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, anyways, he's working on the pipes, and uh, he notices. He looks over, and he sees this wall start to like disintegrate, and then all, he just gets fixated on it. And all of a sudden, a hand just comes out and just grabs his face, and one of the fingernails of this hand that's coming out pokes right through his fucking eye eye socket. Yeah, it pushes out to the side. It to sticks side. it in by the bridge of his nose and pops it out to the side. And the way the skin rips, it. it sp- looks so fucking real dude yeah dude. It's, that's what i just love about practical effects it just does shit that cgi will never be able to mimic well when i remember seeing that like i mean i can look at it now and go oh yeah i can see that that's totally fake right but it's like when i first saw that i was like holy shit i've never seen a movie do this before these are like five minute segments five minute gore scenes most movies will spend 30 seconds or even a, less. Yeah, or, and just do this thing. These are like showpieces to him. If it didn't look real enough, they had to redo the whole fucking thing. Right. Like, it was a big deal. Like, he would cut scenes and not put them in the movie that were written for the movie because it just didn't look real enough. I think my other favorite scene, sorry to ruin it, but I'm going back to the tarantulas. The uh, Yeah, I remember seeing you like all freaking out about dude, that shit. I hate tarantula. I hate any kind of spiders. They used part real spiders that were crawling on some guy. I'm not even sure it was the same actor. Yeah, it may not. I think because it, it seemed like it was a different actor while he was laying there. Mm-hmm. And then when they was that whenever they showed the guy's face, they like had the fake spiders like right, biting, crawling. and then they had like a prosthetic face. A lot of really cool editing in this, by the way, guys. Like, I think one of the more important things about. Um, being a special effects, doing special effects in a horror movie is having a good editor and knowing how to splice it together. You're mixing true face with, you know, prosthetics, prosthetics right. and like gore and shit like that. And for its time, this shit is really good. What was the creepiest part of that scene that you just freaked out about? It's either when they got into his face and they bit his tongue or the nose scene where they rip off the side of his nose. <laughs> He's, like, paralyzed on the floor of this library. Right. So he's just, like, at the whim of these fucking spiders. He's just chewing his face off. It's kind of, like, terrifying. Like, if you were just laying there paralyzed and they were, like, biting your face... That would be my hell, That's dude. fucking hell, man. That like, that's hell. some fucking crazy shit right there. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as my favorite scenes, probably the one where the girl, uh, when she goes to put on uh, her Joe's wife, her now his now widowed wife... 
goes to put his clothes on him and all of a sudden she just starts screaming falls and then her face is covered in acid and her face melts off i just thought that was really weird and then his daughter comes in to check on her mom because she's screaming watches her mom's face get melted the fuck off and then the blood is like crawling at her to try to get her they don't really explain that in the movie but I've heard from other interviews in the past that that's what it was. The blood was actually trying to get her. That's cool. Oddly enough, the girl fucking goes blind. Right. And it's almost like the beyond reached out to her and stole her soul. And she's sort of like a mimic, like a like a shell, like a husk of herself trapped between beyond and reality. Ah. Uh, because it's almost like the world, the two worlds are colliding. Right. Like, they're coexisting in a way. Yeah, like, the gates are opening up, so they're, like, coexisting in a way. Like, it's embracing and sucking everything into the beyond. Right. So we're not sure what's reality or not, but some people get grabbed and pulled in, and their bodies come back to life by demons or whatever the fuck, ancient ones, maybe. Um, But yeah, I do like the one scene where the red-headed girl, the blind chick that we were just talking about, she gets shot in the head. Oh, dude, I forgot about that. How did I forget about that? That gore scene is fucking awesome and you see like before this scene even happens you see like three or four maybe five zombies get shot in the head by fucking old right and this one just explodes yeah it is so gratifying really really good i want to put that in a gif and just they have uh t-shirts and shit oh that scene of that scene nice or at least poster art or something i've seen oh i'll have to look for that yeah for sure right one of the last movies that we want to talk about in the gates of hell trilogy is The House by the Cemetery, which is the technically the final film that he did in the trilogy for this. Although, again, it's not the trilogy that he wanted. These are all separate stories that do not really intertwine other than the fact that they deal with some sort of hell or some sort of beyond. Or doorway. That, that like, sucks people into it somehow. Right. And this, by by uh, compared to the Beyond and uh, City of the Living Dead, I would say this is the least connected of the three in the sense of the gates of hell or some sort of doorway or whatever. It's very convoluted, very hard to understand. Right. Got some pretty cool death scenes in it. Got some decent atmosphere, too. Like you were saying when we started watching it, you're like, this one's more like... A slasher. Yeah, it's almost like a supernatural giallo. That's what I kept calling it. Right. The House by the Cemetery was made in 1981, but it was written by Elisa Brigante. She did the story, and Fulci also actually did the story. And he also considered this to be an H.P. Lovecraft inspiration. Now, Elisa Brigante, she also did... She was one of the writers on Zombie, Manhattan Baby... Uh, and she done some other films, too. She's uncredited as one of the writers. <clears throat> this one also stars none other than Catriona McCall, Paolo Malco. There's a lot of other actors in this movie, but this one, um, I'll read you the story for it, and then we'll kind of get into our thoughts about it. And I hate to end it on this note, to be honest with you. But a New England home is terrorized by a series of murders unbeknownst to the guests that a gruesome secret is hiding in the basement. Personally, I feel like this movie is the weakest of the three that we watched. Yeah. It's weird that the story's jumbled. Like so... So the already confusing story was even more confusing when they brought it to fucking America. 
So we didn't even get to see a cut of this, like, make sense. So it just immediately bombed. Right. Uh, it's still a favorite because of certain death scenes, the tension, and it, it is one of the lighter of the supernatural versions of this. So what did you think? I thought it was good. I kind of, you know, it wasn't the first two movies. Not as good as them, but... Picante. Picante. <laughs> so it was good. Uh, there was certain scenes in there were really good, but all in all, it's it's the weaker of the three, like you were saying. Right. I mean, it's okay. It doesn't waste much time killing people off, though. I mean, it no. really does. It it is a little slower, but it does. Like you know, you get your first kill like right off the bat. Yeah. Two kills actually, right off the bat in the beginning of the movie, and one of the cooler scenes, I think, Danielle Doria, who was in City of the Living Dead as well, she was the one that puked her brains, her mouth, uh, right. all the organs out. She got stabbed in the back of the head with a fucking butcher knife. Oh, yeah. That's another thing I've never seen, where it goes through the back of her head. Out and through the front. Out through the front of her mouth. Yeah. Oh. It was pretty cool. I mean, yeah. It kind of made me wonder how they did it. Yeah, it looked cool as shit. It did look really cool. She fell on her side, gets dragged off. Her boyfriend was, like, scalped. Yeah, this looked like he had a pair of scissors and... <laughs> In his stomach. I mean, to give you guys kind of a better idea of the story, essentially this is an old house where this doctor lived, and he somehow came across a doorway to hell, and he was, like, sort of coerced into doing fucked up things because of it, and started, like, killing people, and I think he ended up killing his wife and his son, or his daughter, and then they haunted it kind of like the beyond, in a way. They didn't have the eyes... But they were able to walk around freely as like spirits, right? And it, and it's kind of like remember her babysitter? She don't ever remember like when she ta- when he talks to like the little her, their son talks about hanging out with his girlfriend, right? And like the mom kind of asks her about you know how is she and what she like and what her mom. And she's like I didn't see anybody. Well, it's kind of got like a a sort of a, I don't want to say Amityville, but in the sense that the house is fucked up and right. like, these new family move in. It's got that Amityville feel to it. Uh, it's actually the same house that, if you guys have ever heard of the movie called Ghost House from 1988, it's the same exact house that they used in that. Riff Tracks did a riff on this movie. It's one of their more popular ones called Goat House. Goat House. Ghost House. But yeah, it's it's weird. It's like this doctor kills his family, and then like somebody had moved in just before them and became obsessed with this house. And, like, was drawn to its evil nature and, like, left an audio recording of it. And then they moved in and supposedly... It, it very much reminded me of Amityville. Yeah. With, like, oh, yeah. Evil Dead mixed with, like... I mean, we're talking loosely here, guys. Right. Um, like, some of the elements of those movies that you wouldn't even attach it to. Uh, but, yeah, just... It's weird. Like, they go into the basement, my fruit cellar, like, Evil Dead. <laughs> um but yeah, like this this fucking old doctor who's supposed to be dead, they can't figure out where he's buried. They can't figure out where his wife or kid is buried. And she never died, but she did. And the kid sees her. And it doesn't really make any fucking sense. It doesn't. It really doesn't. And then they, they talk about the guy, one of the main act, the, the father of this family, had visit before. Right. With, her, with his daughter. And it just kind of makes me think. Yeah, like they'd run into them. Right. It's like, well, wait, didn't this happen, like, years ago? Like, how would you have... It was weird. I just, I didn't get it. It seemed like it should have been deeper than it was. Uh, some of the death scenes were kind of cool. It had, like, possessed sort of weird vibe to it. Like, 
like there was something controlling people, like the babysitter. But it didn't, I don't know, it just doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, why was the babysitter affected? Why was she acting so fucking scandalous? She really was, dude. But you don't know why, and then she gets killed. It's like, what the fuck? Like, I don't understand. Like, I'm not trying to bitch about this movie because it's like, I get why it's connected in a way. It's probably why it's unofficial. Right. Um, it's got some pretty decent death scenes in it. Um, one of the scenes that I personally loved about this movie was there was a scene, uh, where this kid gets his head put against the door and they can't open the door. So they tell the kid to move back. But one of the creatures, the doctor or daughter or whatever is pushing his head against the door while he's axing it. And you see the ax come through in front of his face, behind his face, or his head. Right. And it was really a real ax that they were just pushing through the door to make it look like he was striking it. Right. And that would have been scary as fuck regardless. For the kid, it was. Yeah, for sure. It definitely was for them. Uh, the little kid named Bob. And, Bob. and then the ghostly daughter that the guy killed is May. And then Mrs. Frudstein. To kind of go over some of the trivia with this movie, I mean, there really wasn't... Too much that we could go over. I kind of had to do some digging on this movie. Uh, this was one of the movies that Fabio Fritzi did not do. I watched an interview with him, and it said that he felt like it was part of the reason that he didn't get picked was because of City of the Living Dead, how he fucked up with that music. And he thought this was his punishment. Because he had already been a part of the the Beyond and City of the Living Dead, he thought to himself, well, yeah, please let me be a part of this somehow. I want to be a musician in it or whatever the fuck, so I'm at least tied to this third film. And Lucio Fulci didn't let him. But he was included in The Beyond, and The Beyond was the second one. Yeah, he did a great job on the first two movies. I mean, it was probably, like you said, like, you know, like, little slap on the wrist, the ruler, whatever. Right. And uh, in place of him, they put Walter Rizzotti, which I thought did a pretty good job on the soundtrack. Yeah, it wasn't bad. I thought he did a good uh, score. Yeah. It was like organs and, like, I don't know. It was cool. Yeah, talking about music though, like you know what I noticed in this movie, hmm. there was a, all the little sound bits that I've noticed. It were Skinny Puppy used them a lot. Yeah, that's you were saying that. Yeah, yeah, it was just like everything I heard. I was like, oh shit, that's that's where that's from. Yeah, because I've never seen like a lot of Fulci, but like apparently I guess they're big Fulci guys. Yeah, well he he definitely is a horror fan. I know that. Oh for sure. Ogre did a remix of one of the gates or demons songs so you know i know he's a horror fan yeah i remember you telling me about that yeah so but yeah walter rosati did music on the uh, 1990 the bronx warriors that came out in 82 and uh and that was directed by enzo g catalari uh i honestly think in my opinion he was influenced by that that movie in particular was influenced by the warriors that came out in 79 but they had, like, a whole group of these types of movies. Even Lucio Fulci did, like, New Gladiators, which was sort of like you said, Running Man. Right. Like, this is in the era, like, where, uh, what's those other movies? Like, uh, Escape from L.A. Sure, yeah. Like, all those movies kind of, like, apocalyptic type right. shit, you know. Like Mad Max, all that kind stuff of... Stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, I would love to do, like, like those, like, weird uh, lost films that were just, like, shit you know what I mean? Right. That we're like, I don't know, and then in that vibe, I think we could get away with it in the horror element. Like a lost footage film, but in the apocalypse? No, it wouldn't be lost footage. What do you mean? Are you talking about like handheld style? or No, no, no. I'm just talking about the storyline, like apocalyptic movies. Okay. Yeah, and there was no real found footage like that. Which movies are you talking about? No, I, was just, I thought that's what you were oh, trying no, to get no. to. No. But that would be cool, though. I'm saying we should cover some of those cheesy 80 ripoff movies like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean? 
to give you guys kind of an idea, the U.S. version of this film of the house by the cemetery had scenes out of order from the original. So it was like it's like they fucked everything up. Right. And it's like the the the, the story is kind of like missing a lot of parts as is. But to mix it up. Just made it ten times worse. So, yeah, it was a little confusing. Yeah, so this movie really never got to see a, its gl- all in a, all its glory. Supposedly, you know, whatever it is, whatever its shit covered glory. <laughs> I, I'm not trying to put the film down. I know that it is part of Lucio Fulci's Gates of Hell trilogy, but it just, in my opinion, just didn't do for me what the other two mo- movies did. I totally agree. So, I mean, it had its moments. But I think overall of these three movies, what do you think was like the best out of the three in order? In order, my favorite, uh, my favorite has to be the first one, which was uh, City of the Living City Dead, City of the Living Dead, aka the Gates of Hell, right? And then it would have to or be Twilight a, of the Dead, if you will, right? Then House by the Cemetery. You like this that one? Oh wait, that's the last one. Scratch that. No, no, I'm saying in order. What is your favorites? I would have to say the order that they go in. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. But it's a little confusing, guys, because some places, because the Beyond and House by the Cemetery were made in the same year, there's a lot of people that are like, think that, you know, one They confuse them. Yeah, like one comes before the other, but I believe it was City of the Living Dead, the Beyond, and then House by the Cemetery. I did some research on it, and those seem to be the order. Although there are other people that say that Beyond is the last one, and it doesn't make sense to me. Oh, yeah. I can see that. What, the the house by the cemetery definitely feels like a rush job a little bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just, I don't know. There's some cool elements in it, but I just, yeah. I think you're, I'm with you on that. City, the beyond, and then house by the house by the cemetery. Oh, for sure, dude. So, I, it's hard. It's tough. And we could go rounds. I know we, got, we went into a lot of details about this Lucio Fulci uh, unofficial trilogy and everything like that. But when it comes to Fulci. You got to do it justice. You have to. You can't cheese dick it, dude. Like, for one, I'm a fan. Right. Two, there are some very rabid Fulci fans out there. Yeah. So you can't just shit all over it with some sort of half-ass attempt. Yeah. So I wanted to do it justice for many reasons. I mean, I spent hours and hours and hours watching uh, documentaries and things like about each of these movies, even movies that weren't documentaries of... Just stuff about Fulci. Right. And we were thinking about doing a director's spotlight with him. But he has so much material. Right. It's just really hard to kind of just like graze over all of it. So if you guys are new to Lucio Fulci, though, and you're not necessarily looking for the most explained plot, I would say that this is a really good showpiecing of gore kind of movies that he does in a lot of these, at least in this trilogy. He does do it in other stuff. He was a big fan of gore. I do like that he's, dare I say the word, cerebral. With his <laughs> movies and kind of like, you know, let you kind of work out the story on your own. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, there is a, you know, a loosely based storyline, but... Well, and like we first mentioned when I first started into this whole Flesh and Potatoes segment, I was mentioning about The Void and how so many people were upset about how right. not, it didn't... It just made no sense. There was no... You know, there's a difference between explaining things and everybody was saying that to me and I'm like, dude... Like, just some some rides are meant to... You just ride. You don't have to be taken somewhere. It's like, I personally think that that spoils a movie. Right. Like, and yeah, I know that there's also that thought... Like, because I think a lot of people think that if you leave it open-ended like that... Oh, they're just trying to make a sequel. 
like they're in their mind. It's engraved into their brains. Right. They're like, oh, they're trying to pull a fast one so that we want to watch another one. Well, well fuck you. Like, I don't see the problem with that. Like, if someone wants to leave something open ended, yeah, that just gives them the option. And well, you know, maybe I won't do another one. Maybe I will. You know, yeah. it doesn't necessarily have to be because there's going to be a sequel. Well, you know, and and I was explaining to somebody like it's a more a little bit more laid out, but like the Friday the Thirteenth series, right? How many movies did it take till we got like a clear picture of what the fuck was really going on? Right. Someone was like, "Well, it's just not realistic with this." You know how they do the storyline? It just it feels like they're lazy. And I'm like, dude, like, where the fuck? Why is Jason come back to life? Do they ever explain that? They don't. So what the fuck are you talking about? Right. Like, like you can't like you're sitting here putting this down because it doesn't have some clear vision or direction that maybe didn't satisfy you, which is fine on an opinion level, but the movie doesn't suck because that's not your cup of tea. Right. Like, you know what I mean? People were getting so upset about it. I personally think that the movie The Void doesn't deserve anything less, and I think a lot of the Fulci films are very I compare these to those because there was a lot of gore and, you know, just weird fucking cosmic horror style fucking shit. Right. But it is kind of very Lovecraftian, just like the Lucio Fulci series. Like I said in the beginning, this whole trilogy, the unofficial trilogy, is also called the Lovecraftian trilogy. So makes sense to me that it's supposed to have an air of mystery about it. Oh, for sure, yeah. Because it's supposed to tantalize your wonder your imagination and which many films these days have a lackluster of that well clearly he's a shitty director so but (laughs) i'm just kidding (laughs) clearly he's a shitty director for making you want to use your head yeah yeah. i don't know like i'm not saying that people are stupid because they couldn't get it because there was nothing to get it's just it's a vibe right it's supposed to throw you off a little bit and we've talked about it and almost all of our casts, like, just that air of mystery is important because you can't size up what's happening. You can't figure out the rule set because as soon as you figure those out, you plan your escape, you plan your attack, you plan everything. Right. And when you think about it, you're almost in the same situation as the people who are experiencing or who are in the movie. Here's a good example. You know when someone comes around a corner and scares the shit out of you? Right. You're not expecting it, right? Yeah. If you know that that person's going to be around the corner... You're not going to be scared. Yeah. Now, I'm not talking about jump scares. I'm just saying being scared in general. Right. Like, if there's a sense of dread and you don't know what's going on, you knowing that that person's around the corner is what takes away some of the scares. You duck. Right. And you just try to scare them back or whatever. You get some more balls about you because you kind of have a grasp of what's going on. Yeah, for sure. So to me, like, I think it's really interesting with this trilogy. Like, they didn't really explain anything. They all left open-ended. Like, were they dead? Were they alive? Like, what the fuck was going on? I don't know. But I like that. I think it's good. And I love movies like that. Beyond the Black Rainbow. Um, Videodrome, even. Like, right. It's like, what the fuck? Like, he shot himself in the head, and then the guts came out of the TV. Like, wh- wh- what's going on? I just feel like once I watch a movie like that, it leaves this ooey-gooey residue all in my body, and I just can't shake it mentally, physically. Well, and you know what? Like you were saying before, you can't honestly judge a movie unless you sat down and actually watched it at least twice. Well, and personally, I think just rating stuff is a flawed system. Yeah. 
because everybody has. It's a different, all subjective. Yeah, well, everybody has a different rating system. So I'm, right. I'm half tempted to just not even do scores anymore and just be like, these are the movies I think it compares to. This is what I think it's kind of about and what you'll like about it and what you might not like about it. Right. A lot of reviewers, in my opinion, fail to do that. They just kind of tell the people what they think. Well, I think we're pretty honest with our score. Even when we do score, it's kind of personal. It's not like right. this is the set in stone or anything. No, and it's hard to go, oh, well, this is an 80s movie. How does it compare to a movie nowadays? Right. It's like completely... Different rating it's systems. It's like totally different. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know. Like I feel like if you're going to review something, I feel like you should try to do your best to explain why you feel it, good or bad, why you just not you did not like it. And then, I don't know if it's really important that you have a score. Like, is it important? No. Like, if you detail why you did or did not like something and compare it, make as many comparisons as possible, then people can kind of make their own opinion on that. Right. And and if you are going to put a score on something, just be, you know, be blunt about it and be, say, this is my personal opinion. Right. Well, and over, I think most people do when they say that. Right. But I just think it's it's just such a weird mixed bag of reactions yeah. that people give on any reviewer whatsoever. And I'm not, like, I don't do reviews because I want someone to go, oh, your dick is big, dude. <laughs> like, your dick is so big. I'd be like, thanks, man. I really try to, like, prim and trim it and shave it and keep it nice and polished. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just trying to fucking, I just love movies and this is what I think. So, right. With that said, I'm not going to rate any of these th- of the trilogy, but I will say out of the three, City of the Living Dead has always been one of my favorites. It was my introduction into that type of horror. It was like, there's a lot of nostalgia, and that might have made me a little biased, but you, watching all of these, fresh start, you even said that you like City of the Living Dead more, too, so yeah. maybe there's something about that that maybe we agree on. Maybe not everybody's favorite. Everybody yeah. seems to always lean to the beyond, in my opinion. Really? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I like it. I own it. I love it. I've bought it like four or five times. Like, right. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> um, But yeah. So anyway, I think that's it for our Gates of Hell trilogy flesh and potatoes segment. Uh, again, as a reminder, we are going to be doing the contest next week. With that said, guys, if you enjoy any of the things that we do or not do <laughs> i don't know <laughs> let us know what you think in the comments we thank you so much for listening we greatly appreciate it and uh, of course i guess we'll be bringing to you a brand new episode next week well we're going to be talking about uh the blob right maybe maybe we haven't talked about it yet oh we okay. have but we haven't i don't know we'll see but yeah that's it for our show today for this week We will be seeing you next week with a brand new episode of Beyond the Void. Later, guys. Have a safe week, man. See you guys.